Well, fit, you did a, you didn't quit. Do your ad. Do my ad? Yeah. But you always go first. Yeah, you can switch it up now. You always go first, though. Yeah. All right. So uh, today's podcast is brought to you by Ever Proven, Ever Proven CrossFit. There's a P in there, not Reuven. P in Proven. 51 Washington Street, Dover, New Hampshire. Uh, we are located in the mill, the great mill of Dover, downtown. Look for the big freaking brick thing. That's where we are, somewhere <laughs> in there, in the basement, where they keep the animals. Uh, because that place is full of animals. Um, everything and anything CrossFit, weightlifting, yada, yada, yada. Come on down. We can put you up with an intro as well as an on-ramp. Um we're open seven days a week. Place is pretty awesome. Huge community. Good stuff. <laughs> Nothing but good stuff. Call us at 603-740-0822. Or you can email stone, S-T-O-N-E, at E-V-R-P-R-V-N dot com. So we've shortened the ever proven down to E-V-R-P-R-V-N. I think they call com. that branding in the industry branding i call it hating vowels <laughs> except for one why'd you just go into that voice and look deeply into my eyes that was kind of weird <laughs> on that note also along with weird things like wrestling dudes in your pajamas but no eye contact whatsoever this podcast. What if you wrestled and you tried to make eye ta- contact the whole time? I think that's a good social experiment. You should come in and try. See, <laughs> see how it happens. See how it works out. I, I, I can almost guarantee that you would not be conscious. You know, you, you'd probably be sleeping at some point. Um, that being said, not that many people go to sleep at Port City BJJ. It's a vicious rumor. <laughs> it's a vicious rumor. We're very safe and friendly there. So come check out Port City BJJ. Um, it's located at 8 Greenleaf Woods Drive in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, inside the Seaco Sports Club. Uh, you have all the amenities there. Um, you know, everything that happens at a gym, weightlifting, cardio machines, a pool. Old uh, how dare you? <laughs> uh, sauna, showers, locker rooms, you know, plenty of parking and all that. And then uh, we do jujitsu. Um, so come check us out. You can look us up at... Uh, portcitybjj.com send us an email we'll answer all your questions uh, we're open seven days a week have multiple classes a day uh, we can you know pretty much fit jujitsu into anybody's schedule with any amount of ability you know no ability whatsoever no experience to the advanced you know, jujitsu practitioner so um, come check us out and uh, we'll uh, make sure you have a good time yeah and if you have any interest in doing CrossFit, getting into that physical realm, if you have any interest in doing BJJ and getting into that physical realm, the point of this whole podcast is just to do it. Right. All right? Stop being a bunch of little bitches and do it. All right? Take that step into that gym. Take that step into the academy. Uh, even if you're, I mean, even if it's anything else, even if you're just going to any old gym, just do it. Um, and that point being said, um, 
if you want to advertise with us, if you like <laughs> our podcast, if you see some sort of correlation with us and you really like what we talk about um, and you want to advertise with us, please hit us up. Contact us on the interwebs. Mm-hmm. The internet. SharpIronSociety.com. Uh, find us on Facebook, Sharp Iron Society. Uh, we're on Twitter and Instagram at Sharp underscore SOC. Uh, sharp underscore iron underscore soc um that goes for if you want to know somebody who uh, wants to come on and talk about some cool shit that being said buckle up because here's the podcast boom She, she looks at me with this judgment, and I just want to look at her and go, you've been married to me for 14 years. You know I'm a fucking mess. Like, right. what do you expect from me? <laughs> I am a mess. And that's- On that note, <laughs> <laughs> welcome to Sharp Art Society podcast number 11. 11. 11 on C. Uh, our guest today is none other than Mr. Troy Pickering. Thanks for having me. <laughs> <laughs> no problem, no problem. Uh, so a little, a little uh, insight on on how I know Troy. Troy was uh, owner and proprietor of the the first MMA school that I joined way back in the day. So he's kind of him and Jim were the the spawns of my my martial arts career, um, and it just has gone on from then. So that was like nine, ten years ago almost. Which is crazy. Like, it doesn't even seem. And that if you long. listen to uh, podcast, the podcast from last week, number ten, yeah, with George, you would uh, you would have heard some stories. Right? Did, did you listen to last week? I, I didn't get a chance to. Kind of rehat, like just kind of reminisced about the Seacoast days sure. and about uh, how it was just Shangri La back then. Yeah, like it was just kind of the best kept secret yeah. for one and two. Like it was just it was kind of mentioned it was before the the post concussion syndrome. <laughs> In the, uh, the in pop culture thing, yeah. so no one really knew better, and, and we just threw down hard all the time. Talked about you know like I don't know how many people I saw or even personally got my bell rung in there, and just kept going. You know what I mean? Kind of, it was one of those places like a couple things have happened to me in my life. Um, you know, uh, I so I always tell the story when I'm working out about running. Is I can remember when I was a kid, my dad said. I was complaining about how I didn't want to run, and he said to me, "Well, you got to learn to do two things. Then you either learn to run better, or you got to learn to fight." <laughs> and there was, there, there was no way I was going to so learn to run you better. Le- you learned to fight, so I learned to fight. That was that was number one thing that kind of was a epiphany in my life. And then uh, you know, some some things that happened in high school, and then uh, joining Seacoast MMA was what kind of really like bred the toughness in me. You know what I mean? I, I feel like before that, I thought I was tough, and then. At Seacoast is where you learn how to be tough, you know, and and I really appreciate that experience, even though at the time I didn't really know what it was doing, you know, and uh, you were in gym and some other people were kind of the spawn of that back in the day. Yeah, for sure. I, I Well, first of all, not to get mushy, but I'm so proud of you because you've blossomed into this 
this awesome jujitsu machine. And uh, I was, I don't know if you remember this, but I was actually the first guy you rolled with yeah. at, at Seacoast. And you were kind of sitting in the corner. You, I'm sure it was, anybody who walked into that place was always like, immediately gravitate toward the wall, kind of right. scope it out and stuff. And my right. wife, my wife at the time was like, hey, he just walked in. Why don't you introduce yourself? And I'm like, oh yeah, that's what a business owner would do. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. I should probably, right. I should probably go do that. And I did. And you know, it, it, from there you just, Literally, I, I've never seen somebody, you and Devin, and there was a, like a, just a select few, that when that place was open, even when it wasn't, when we got comfortable enough to give people keys and stuff, right. you guys were just always there. Yeah. And, and th- that's cool to me. I always had to be there because right. it was a matter of you know, keeping that place kind of going, even though like I remember teaching my first Muay Thai uh, class and I'm like I'm not a Muay Thai guy I don't know how to do this so I had to take it upon myself to try to you know learn it better right, which right. which brings me to um, when you said like post concussion I just remember throwing so hard and then I remember getting out of the ring and looking at Keith and uh, for those of you who don't know Keith was a Muay Thai instructor um, at at Seacoast the Irish uh, pro fighter just right. tough as nails there's a right. lot of things that you could say about Keith but the one thing I'll always say about him is I've never like he's a tough human being right um, and he, he I remember looking at him and as a as a owner operator you're a little concerned because you don't want people walking out of there needing stitches i mean it's going to happen from time to time but you don't want people walking out of there having a bad experience and i remember looking at him and going hey should we be should we be hitting each other this hard and he just slow turned his head and goes it's the thinning of the herd troy it's the thinning of the herd (laughs) (laughs) and i'm like oh that's how that that's gonna be right yeah i mean i think like um I mean, there's a lot of things you could say about what was going on at Seacoast as far as, as business-wise. And I mean, but I think that was almost the beauty of it was it was so like, and we kind of run Port City the same way, just a little um, more grappling-based. I mean, we could talk about the differences between striking martial arts and grappling martial arts and things like that, but it was so not watered down. Right. And I think that's what the beauty of it was. It was, it was so pure... Uh, fighting you know what i mean and um i feel like it yeah you know not everyone's gonna last and and all that but it was the perfect situation where the people running it didn't really need to make a ton of money they weren't looking to make it a it was almost a club atmosphere rather than a business atmosphere you paid your dues to go in and what happened happened you know (laughs) there was like and and you just kind of ran with it but every that being said you kicked the shit out of each other really really bad but I could honestly say that everyone that was there was, and that was a, a staple. Like we talked about this a little bit last week, was I can remember just random people showing up and they got kind of thrown in the mix, and you didn't know whether they were an expert or a novice, and you kind of found out along the way. But the guys that stood around and, and stayed around and were that core group of guys that were consistent all the time, uh, they were all people where I knew if I was in trouble, like I could be like, hey, I, like I need some help doing this, you know, whatever it was, and they would all be there to help and that's kind of the atmosphere we've carried over into port city too you know I mean, and it's probably a martial arts thing but i feel like that was really evident at seacoast mma too you know like, oh for sure like I, that's where i, I kind of learned it i think that um <clears throat> that that atmosphere like the one and I, I see it it's definitely a martial art thing i think certain clubs are definitely closer than others but um if you fighting uh competition is so intimate. Like when I wrestle with you, right? 
there's no doubt in my mind you can smash me, but there's this trust I give to you right. and say, hey, listen, I'm going to let you, well, I'm not going to let you, you're going you're gonna to choke me at some point in this match, and I'm trusting that you're not going to snap my neck. Right. You know, so there's this very, real intimate trust, and we were talking right. about it, like LaPiana and I used to talk about it all the time when we would spar. You'd always get that anomaly where that guy just comes and wings, starts winging punches at you. And uh, he obviously, that, that person at that particular point in time in his journey, he doesn't get it yet that there's, there's a, we're in a relationship right now. Right. And I have to, you're going to have to compromise with me and I'm going to have to compromise with you. If we're fighting, no compromise, right. you know, but th- we're training each other. So you, you're going to have to, you're going to have to trust me and I'm going to have to trust you that when you hit me and I drop to a knee that you're not winging punches <laughs> until John right. McCarthy steps in between us. It doesn't work that way. Right, right. Yeah, I th- I re- I re- it's, it's it's an interesting dynamic. It really sure. is. It's one of those things where, I, I mean, doing other things. I mean, you're right about the competition aspect, but the martial arts thing is definitely, it, it takes it to a whole nother level. Sure. You know what I mean? That's the one thing I find, like. <laughs> and the thing, that's the thing about, like, I, I like about the the grappling aspect of it, too, it, is there's no bullshit whatsoever. They're, they're, you know what I mean? Like, you could say when you're, like, boxing and things like that, be like, oh, like... You know, uh, you know, I was holding back, you know, sure. you know, like whatever the situation was, I feel like, but in, especially in the grappling thing, there's like, there are no fucking excuses. Like your excuses that you weren't the better man. You know what I mean? And oh, I think sure. that, like that is like that interesting dynamic is where it comes into play is when you are the better man, it's on you to not rub it in or rub salt in the wound that you were the better man. You <laughs> know sure. what I mean? And I, I find that really, um, was ingrained in, uh, at Seacoast for sure is like you know there were a lot of like killers in that place, but they never made you feel bad about you not being a killer. You know right. what I mean? It was like we're gonna make you a killer instead of keep holding you down, which was pretty awesome for sure. And you you touched on it earlier. It's amazing just having trained at so many gyms throughout the course of my trip. It, how many people walk into a place with the false sense of how tough they are? It's like I think a lot of dudes grow up thinking that on the mere virtue that I'm a dude, I know how to throw a punch, I know how to take a punch. And you hear those guys all the time, the tough guys at the establishments that you go to, you're like, oh, if I ever get into a fight, I'm just going to, you know, I just, I turn into an animal and I right. just, and I'm like, really? Is that, is that, is that what you think happens? Because right. I, I got news for you. When somebody uncorks on you right. and, and, and lights you up, that animal tends to go, right, into right. a fucking corner. I, th- I think also my favorite thing is when they throw out some fucking crazy technique that they're gonna pull <laughs> off i'm like what like like my favorite like i don't know someone famous i forget who it was now it was like oh yeah my thing when i got into a fight was like punch him in the collarbone i'm, I'm like first of all like the, the precision that you need to punch someone in the collarbone first of all and second of all what a fucking useless technique yeah, like yeah. like why and they, i'm not gonna say who that was because i don't know but it, i'm gonna go with like it's a steven seagal or something like that. Right, you know? I, I don't know who the fuck but i'm like that's like yeah, like collarbone, but of you, all places. For, from from the moment <laughs> from the moment you can flex a muscle as a kid, you automatically assume like you've got this this human conflict thing nailed down. Right, and, and until you find yourself in a in a place where it's like a real good place that to get got, and you're like, oh no, where how the hell did I get here? And my world is going like that's. And and I think that's what a lot of the gyms try to do is inoculate you to that. Like, hey, right. I'm going to put you in some trouble. 
uh, you're going to either figure it out or you're not, right. but I'm not going to kill you. You know, right. it's not, but we, we all, myself included, walked around thinking that I'm the cat's ass. I'm going to, I'm going to kick some ass because right. I'm, I'm Troy, you know? Right. And it wasn't until I got my ass handed to me like a hundred times that I was kind of like, yeah, maybe I don't have my finger on the pulse of what this fighting thing is. Right. Like, right. I, I got to figure right. this out. Well, I think that's a good, I mean, Scott and I, I mean, I know this is a, uh, uh, a topic that Scott gets fired off about is just kind of the, the pussification of the American male. You know what I mean? Mm. And it's, but it's one of those things where it's like, <clears throat> um, it's a fine line between like, I think it's funny that, um, like we're talking about this because it's either seems like it either goes one way or the other. You're, you're stifled in your alphaness or your alphaness is not warranted at all right you know what i mean like it's one or the other it's not like you don't have like an even that even keel is often really hard to find with how your your manliness is is portrayed you know there's definitely a a faction in society that is very anti-manliness like they don't they don't want you to be an alpha not and i'm not saying that like because i think i'm an alpha but they don't want that because there's a we, we live in a society where the, you're encouraged to be humble. You, they, they don't like hubris. And, but if you look at all like the 1% top athletes, like Tom, we'll even get off fighting for a second and just go Tom Brady. Can I say what I want? Yeah. yeah. You can go. He, he, like that whole deflate gate thing, which was just fucking stupid, but he gave zero fucks. And it was, it was like, Dude, I don't need to worry about this. I'm the fucking top dog. Right. So for whatever reason, we don't want normal society to be full of confidence and full of that give zero fucks attitude. No, no gusto, right? Yeah, but that it's okay for the top one percent to do it. You know, they they can be as manly. You look at Conor McGregor. You look at all those guys who talk mad shit, and right. they're they're all into themselves. For whatever reason, we we allocate. A position for them to be able to be that way, but you certainly can't do it, and you can't do it because then it's it it doesn't you know I don't know if I'm articulating that well, but it just seems no, like yeah. society poo poos the rest of us and allows just that amount of manliness, and that's it. Right, right. There'll be no more. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I I think I I, I often find myself talking about or thinking about um, how it, it's just like men are just coddled into just these. I don't know, sniveling, sniveling little shits. Right, right. <laughs> I mean, and and it, it's like even I mean, like the, the our our Ron's out of the room, so I can say this. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, like down to our cell phones, is it, it's just like we're 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 babied all along the way these days. A lot of hand holding. There's yeah. a lot of hand holding, and. and and just, I mean, look at look at way masculinity is going these days, and like look at look at how masculinity is portrayed in advertisements. Um, I mean, it, it 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 we we go through all these different phases left and right, and it's like beards, no beards, muscles. Now it's like thin little guys and 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 skinny jeans. It's just like. <sighs> There's no there. It seems like there's no real test anymore for for masculinity. Right. And, and no rites I mean, of passage. No like no rites of passage. Yeah. Um, right. I mean that also. I mean, and 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 it's particularly in American society, it's like we look at other cultures that still do have rites of passage, 
and are not like first world countries they are in third world countries and like it's it's or like, even like they're so, brutal i know and, and like we, we're like oh my god that's so savage it's got so much brutality going on yeah, down s- there we they, don't want to go there they're sticking their hands in a yeah. bullet ant thing and getting <laughs> stung and now or, they're or even like man, mandatory military service sure like if you told the united states you're going to do mandatory military service i'd be like fuck that no way <laughs> no there's no no one would vote yes on that sure you know, think about all the countries that that do offer that and they they seem like their their men are more well adjusted you know oh, what for I mean? sure. if they're grounded right. anyway yeah i mean i wonder what the correlation between is that no the the, the hand holding of children especially uh male children and then their false sense of security when it gets older you know what i mean like it's almost like you're not getting checked and taught lessons as a child so you never learn those lessons when you're a male and you just think that's the way it's gonna happen when you're a full-grown adult you know what i mean in college i wrote a a thesis um it was i forget if it was for like an anthropology class or something but to this day i still hold true to this and i'm probably not saying anything like dude i think of that all the time but i i said way back in the day we lived in a world that was so savage that we had to be civilized to each other. Because if I didn't like the shit that was coming out of your mouth, there was a good chance I was taking my glove off and slapping you across the face <laughs> and saying, pistols at dawn, fucker. Right. And, and, and one of us was going to die. Right. <laughs> Nowadays, we live in a, such a civilized society that we all walk around being total savages to each other because I can say whatever the fuck right. I want from you from the confines of my car right. because your, I don't expect... Metal box. Like, right. I, I, like, it, it, I suffer from road rage for sure. And what blows my mind is when somebody is doing something that pisses me off, they are operating under the assumption that I'm not going to get out of my car, jump on top of the hood of theirs like the Predator, punch through the window, and suck them out of the hole I create. (laughs) Because they're walking around saying, like, that's never going to happen to me until it happens. And then it makes fucking Channel 9 news. And they're like, you know, lunatic goes mad on highway. And it's like, back in the day, you had to watch your... Your your demeanor, yeah. your tone, P's and Q's. Yeah, you, like if I'm if you're at the bar, the saloon with your girl, and you catch me glancing down at her ass, there was a good chance I was taking a fucking mug or a whiskey bottle upside the head, or right. going or stepping outside and rolling up the sleeves. Right. We don't do that anymore. There's right. there's no there's no means in this society where if I show poor behavior that somebody else can put me in check right. because of that. And I think that's why a lot of people gravitate toward competition and fighting, at least at least people of our mindset insofar as that's the one place, like you had said it earlier, there's no bullshit. There's like I could sit and posture in a bar all day long and everybody's holding back from from throwing fists at me because they're worried I'm gonna sue or they're worried that they're gonna get arrested. This is the one place that still it's like an oasis of bullshit stops when you get on the mat with somebody when you get in the ring or the cage there's no bullshit it's just mono e mono that you're living in a very pure state at that point right and better man's gonna win right you know so i i not to take it full circle i think i might have but right um but yeah there's no like you said there's no there's no rites of passage there's no balance and checks and my drunken thoughts last night were like human beings are like flowers insofar as some of us are way better looking than others some of us have a growing season that's shorter or longer than others some of us can't take the cold and we die off and some of us are evergreen and we last a long time um what we what we tried to do as a society is try to make everybody one plant and i'm like you can't 
you can't do that because there's like t- my friend Ray says the the vegetation that grows above tree line don't fucking touch that because when you do it dies people are really legitimately that fragile and then there are some hardy as fuck right. but we try to paint it with such a broad brush that we're like we're going to have a competition everybody's going to be a winner <laughs> and it's like it's like no no that's not the way the fucking world works right. if you touch that fucking vegetation above tree line it's going to die right 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 <laughs> there there you just stuck a chord with Scott because he's he's d- not down with the participation award. There's no, no participation award for nature. Right? <laughs> no. Yeah. Where's my fucking award for getting up every day and going to a job? Like, I, like right. th- that's not the way the world works. Right. Right. Yeah. It's. And well, and the funny thing is, I think it's funny the guy that kind of brought that. I mean, we're talking about like the one percent savage, all that stuff. Is the guy that was kind of brought that no participation award thing to the forefront was James Harrison who might be the biggest blackest savage in the NFL, you know what I mean? Like and he's got this whole thing about like if you look at like his history, I mean like slapped his wife around, like gets in like fucking assault altercations on the on the road, you know, or whatever his his deal is, but you know, he's that 1% and he was the kind of the person that like no, my kids aren't getting a fucking participation award. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I just think it's funny that correlation between like you said that that one percent savage and kind of the, the the other end of that spectrum is the no percent savage. You know what I mean? Right, like, right. Well, what, weird. Where does this need come from? That everybody needs to be made. F- You're ma- a snowflake. Yeah, yeah to, to be made. <laughs> like I, I don't, I don't. Listen, I'm a, I'm a narcissist and I'm an egomaniac and I love being the center of attention. Love it. Nom, 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 love it. But that being said. I understand that in life, that's not always going to be the case. I'm not always going to be second stage or first stage. I'm not always going to get these ego injections that I want. But yet we pander to the masses saying like, yeah, no, you're special too. And we're going to make you feel special. And we're going to give you stuff to help you feel special. And it's like, where where's the sense of I earned this? Right. Like, I, what are you doing to... You know, it's one thing if you want to feel special, but you better go out there and do something yeah. to be special. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, I think that's... Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I'm in the middle of a private joke. No. So, well, it's just because like I we talk about the same shit all the time, you know what I mean? I feel like this is this is a a glaring topic on this podcast and these discussions with these people is like even, you know, uh like I talk about Candace, you know what I mean, who yeah. is, you know, uh not a man and not I mean, I I know she's done some martial arts and things like that, but like one of the, her things was like that you know, people just walk around being unaware. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's, I think that's, that's hard. Part of the deal is you're unaware because someone held your hand and you weren't, had to be aware this whole goddamn time. You know what I mean? Someone else is aware for you. Right. You know what I mean? Just, it just all boils down to that shit, you know? That being said, because I don't think everybody's special. I really don't. Um, I think things like podcasts, um, YouTube, even Facebook and social media, like a lot of people are, are somewhat like it ha- it's starting to get a negative, uh, like a stigma to it. Like, you know, Facebook is nothing but a soapbox for idiots. And that's a fact. There, there are a lot of like posts that I'm like, I'll, I'll read them and I'm like, ugh, like uh, <laughs> I'll never, I th- you, you know, the five seconds it took me to read that, I'll never get that time back. Right. Um, but that being said, th- there are so many cool people that I have met while I've been doing 
life right you know trying to navigate life my life anyways can be exhausting because i'm a mess but uh i've met some super cool people with some super awesome knowledge that they could drop and pod like podcasts and even facebook and even youtube to go back right you know uh it has given people who i really think should have a voice they have a voice now right and you know because there, there are certain feeds that i'll Either I'm a friend of, of theirs on Facebook or Twitter, but I look forward to their posts because for whatever reason, I what what they say either resonates with right. me or it's so in your face, honest, and I'm like, yes, somebody else right. sees it sees it my way. So, as much as I don't think everybody's special, I think this is super cool. We live in a world right now where it's it's really easy to get access to other people's thoughts in there. You know, figure out what with it, and, and then you know, my mental illness. If if I have one, which I'm pretty sure I probably do, but my, my mental illness is always searching for correlation. Like, does anybody else feel the same way that I feel about this right. fucking thing? And when I see somebody that does, I go, well, I still might be mentally ill, but at least I'm in good company. Right, 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 right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I think like uh, like <clears throat> summing that up, it's like there. I I. I totally agree with you where they're like facebook instagram all these things there it's a great platform for not only people of 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 likeness but also idiots oh for sure and and that and that's when you like all all the time i'm i'm just like god i can't stand this person's why why am i why am i following this person oh look there it's another selfie of this person right right it's like like another selfie with some inspirational bullshit behind it it's like come on stop doing that it's funny like (laughs) joe rogan says the best thing about the internet is everyone gets to talk and the worst thing about the internet is everyone gets to talk (laughs) (laughs) speaking of joe rogan this morning I look him uh, like his. I, I think he was like ten different posts on Instagram of like, uh, of just freeze frame of um, Roadhouse. Roadhouse. <laughs> I think somebody smoked a little bit too much last night. Sat down. He <laughs> probably just watched Roadhouse and fucking was like, "Oh, remember this part? Remember this part? Yeah, let's take a fucking you, screenshot you know, of this." You know, there's there's some part of him that's like, "I bet you I can tear somebody's throat out." Right. Yeah. <laughs> that can't be that hard. For sure. No. <laughs> Something fragile. Ah. Uh, yeah. I, well, another thing is I feel like there's a lot of people like the thing that Facebook does for me, especially Facebook, not so much Instagram because I get to like more pick and choose and not be obligated who like I feel like there's an obligation with Facebook. Like someone sends me a friend request and I'm like, I know you in real life. I guess I got to be friends with you on the Internet. You know what I mean? But I'll, I'll, I'll look at people. But like I either. So there's some people where I'm just like. I I hide their feed. I don't know, like whatever. Like, but there are some people I keep on my feed because I'm like, my life is going all right. <laughs> like, 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 like I look at your life and then I look at my life. I'm like, at least I'm not doing that. Like, there is there is that element of make like, yourself feel better. <laughs> well, like like I said before, like I think like I think of myself as like I'm a fucking mess. But it's at least always, I'm not that kind of mess. Yeah, it's <laughs> always good to go. Oh, I'm so glad I'm not that dude or right. I'm not that girl. Like, right, they are fucked up. Right, yeah, and, and well, and then the other thing too is like it's a so some, I do couple of these things too is like i'll read comments on whatever that may be a, like so, someone famous their facebook post or their instagram post or a, a twitter post i'll read their replies or youtube like i'll just re- and i'm like oh like this is why the world is the way it is oh for sure these people are i'm like I, 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 we've mentioned this a couple of times like there's sometimes i read fucking 
comments on something, and I'm like, you can't be serious. Like, you can't honestly think that way. There's no way. Like, why? What? But then I remember, I'm like, not everyone's had the same experience I have. So you could possibly, for sure, definitely think that way. Like, and I'm like, oh, fucking the the turmoil in the world is making complete fucking sense. Yeah. Because there are people out there that actually think a certain way. There's like no evenness. No. No, like the, the, the imbalance in the way people think is fucking amazing to me. And then the other people who are oblivious to it. Sure. I'm like, it's fucking crazy. It's nuts. You, you know what's weird is I can, I get, I think my biggest problem and maybe my biggest attribute is I I do a lot of introspection and I do a lot of self-reflection yeah. and I get stuck in my head for long periods of time, which can be bad. And then sometimes it can, it can be good. My wife, on the other hand, like she is, first of all, she juggles a million things at once. The kids, the, you know, working and, and, and trying to live with me. And she's so happy like being able to multitask and juggle all that stuff, I almost wonder if the rest of the world is so caught up with what they're doing and it's so busy that they don't stop and look around and go, that's fucked up. Why is that like that? And right. why is this like this? Like I had to stop doing my podcast way back in the day. Well, first of all, Chris and, get Chris and I together in a room right. and bad things are going to happen. But like everybody who would listen to it was like entertaining as, as, as hell but you're going to get fired from your job. You know that, right? And I'm really? like, what happened to like protection? First, what, 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 freedom of speech. And they're like, right. yeah, that means they can't prosecute you legally. Right. It, but they'll fire your ass if they hear you. But it, it, it was because I was reflecting on why is it I walk into this place and that fucking guy's in charge of all those other people where that guy right there, he should he should be in charge. Like, how the fuck did that guy get to be where he's at? And that's been right. my, my whole narrative on life is i don't get like i have a real hard time figuring out who the fuck built this and why is that guy steering the ship in this particular case and why is that guy steering the ship in that particular case and who the fuck let this guy have any say in clearly this guy is a nobody he's a nothing shut up don't don't say anything you're 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 strange but but we we've allowed this this weird animal called life to kind of get out of control and like people are in charge of other people's destinies and I'm like how does this happen right or I mean you can talk about that with just the way the whole country's run yeah like I just saw a meme today it was a picture of Donald Trump on one side and it said nope and then I had a picture of Hillary Clinton on the other side said nope please dear God don't let it come to this <laughs> which is like total like it's we talk about this too. Is like I like. How did these yeah. people become the nomination for the fucking guy that's running this yeah. fucking? place? You want to look at the world and go, "This was the fucking best we had to offer." Right, like it's fucking crazy. But it's because they grew up getting participation awards. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. I mean, but it's like one of those things where like it's almost it's too complicated to change it now. It's gone so far, and it's got this weird. There's no clear order of no of of like this guy is here because of this and this guy is here because of this you know what i mean it's uh there's, it, there's, it, there's no there's no 
Order. There's I, no order. There's you, no, like, you know you're you're scared to say it because everybody's going to think that we have an underground bunker with lots of ammunition, but it's almost like either a revolution or some sort of natural catastrophe. Like Cloverfield has to happen in order for us to rebuild from the ashes and, and create something better because it is so diseased and it just continues to fester. Thank you. Right. And it just continues to fester. And it there isn't, you're right, there's no there's no head to the snake anymore. It's like I can't, I can't figure out right. how, which head do I cut off. Right, you know, and you if you do, you create a vacuum, and some other shithead steps in and and takes that over. I was, uh, it's funny. I'm sitting here thinking the whole time. It's like, what, what's, when's it gonna happen? I mean, when are we gonna build the tower so high poorly that the tower starts to fall? Yeah. I mean, where where are we going in in society? It just it's kind of it's kind of scary, like you said, just. That this these are the choices that we have now. Well, it's, I mean, and beyond that too, it's like, so like my dad is um, fifty four years old, um, you know, working class guy his whole life, uh, you know, um, and but I've seen kind of as I've been because I work with him every day the the kind of the the evolution of his thinking you know what I mean and like I could tell that like he's he's gone from being you know pretty liberal to a staunch conservative which isn't like uh, I don't agree with him and all this stuff but he he he's respectful about it you know and 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 we have these conversations all the time but and like we it seems like we go around and around in circles because there is no fucking answer everything right. is like so complicated and so spread out and you know if this happens and this happens but what about this and then what about this it's not a clear cut and dry path to success anymore you know what no. i mean like it's like yeah you know what on the one hand bernie sanders has the most fucked up economics in the in our, our plan out of all of the candidates, but on the other hand, it's not like our economic plan now is fucking great. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like it's like it's like I, I don't I have no fucking answer. This is so fucking complicated and 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 construed. And I was like, I don't know, man. I, all I can do now is just try to live my life every day the best I can. For sure. And try not to worry about the things I can't control, but it's so fucking hard. And be prepared for uh, the downfall of society. Right. <laughs> we will be in that bunker armed to the tooth. Um, what I do think is neat, okay, is as much as what you just said made a lot of sense. We could go around in circles. In fact, lots of podcasts, lots of, uh, I mean, look at talk, ra- uh, talk radio or talk television. Right. They just go around in circles talking about how do we fix this, how do we fix this. And at the end of the day, we're no closer to fixing right. it. But the neat thing is... Say what you want about Bernie Sanders, and even say what you want about Donald Trump. Unfortunately, I think Hillary's going to be our next president, whether we like it or not, because I'm of the opinion, conspiracy theorist, it's rigged. Right. I think, right. she, I think she's going to get it anyway. Right. Um, I just made somebody's list in some government building. They're like, oh, Pickering's on the no-fly list now. Right. Um, but uh, what I do think is neat is you never would have seen a Bernie Sanders or a Donald Trump five, ten years ago. Right. The country, as much as I hate living in a culture of outrage, because it affects me too, because I think I should be able to say and pretty much do whatever the hell I want without worrying about outraging everybody else. But the neat thing is this society, the ethos is they're so tired of the establishment that they're willing to throw chips Donald Trump's way, throw chips Bernie Sanders' way. Right. And that's a reflection of we are getting pretty pretty tired of it. And if change doesn't happen soon something's going to agitate the situation where change is going to happen regardless. Right, right, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, 
someone needs to just derail this runaway train is what they're thinking, I feel like. <laughs> For sure. You know what I mean? And whether it's fucking Bernie Sanders or Donald Trump, you know? Yeah. Which side of the tracks is going to fall on. It's interesting. Yeah. I don't know. I think that was me. Somebody loves me. <laughs> <laughs> or, or somebody's, li- I don't know if you guys are live streaming, but somebody's somebody's listening going, dude, shut up. <laughs> yeah. um, so let's let's bring it uh, right back around to your background and what brought you to starting Seacoast MMA. Uh, oh, okay. Um, good. good, good. I, didn't, I didn't realize. I, I didn't know you guys had a topic. Um, we oh, don't. no. We don't, but. Oh, um, uh, my life is boring. Um so when I when I first started uh, training in martial arts, I was I don't know if you know this, but I'm small. Um, so my father was like, "You got to learn how to fight." And he was a Golden Gloves boxer, and he did Shotokan karate. And uh, he used to take me out to the beach, um, and he would you know he literally would do the Miyagi thing, where like, "Hey, this is how you you block a punch, and this is how you do this." And he's like, he, one of one of his best sayings uh, that always resonated with me was, "Expect to get hit." You know, that you're not going to block everything. You're going to, you know, so you need to learn how to toughen up a little bit. So anyway, I, I started uh, taking martial arts and, and it was weird. It was, uh, you know, I would do one martial art for a year or two. And then I'd, I'd re- like, I'd feel like it's not, it's not resonating with me anymore. It's not jiving with me. I want to try and find something else. So I started in karate and then I did uh, taekwondo. Then I did some judo and some sambo. And then I did some, I had this esoteric i was in college so i I think i was young and naive so i started doing uh hop keto not to say that it doesn't have merit but it's very much like a keto where you know i was i like i'm i'm it almost looked magic you know you know and then and then it wasn't later until i actually gloved up and and tried using some of this stuff that i was kind of like either i'm really bad at this even though i'm a I think I was like a third degree black belt in Hapkido. I'm like, either I'm really bad at this still and I need to wait until I get better or I didn't use a good filter when I was absorbing this stuff. But um, what's the what's the difference between like I, I'm my martial arts experience is is is, is a, at a nil. So what's the difference between Aikido and Hapkido? Almost none. Like Hapkido and Aikido mirror each other, uh, in my opinion. The only the only difference is, is in Hapkido they still do because it's a Korean martial art. They still do like strikes, so they'll th- it's they they throw just as many kicks as like a Taekwondo guy would. But they focus on a lot of small joint manipulation, uh, a lot of um, they. You know they what they what they tried to do is come up for an answer against a, a good judoka, somebody who does judo and has real good grips, because a lot of their martial arts are based on if somebody grabs your collar here, you're gonna wrist lock them there. If somebody grabs your sleeve, you're gonna circle out and wrist lock them there. And some, like I said, some of it's applicable. I've used some of the stuff du- during gi insofar yeah. as how to break grips off and and how to wrist lock somebody. I still attack wrists and and ankles like it's my job. Um, but as a whole, it was definitely not all-encompassing. Um, and I, I found that out when I did like my first grappling tournament, and I'm trying to wrist-lock somebody, and he is just using this big, gross motor skill and choking the shit out of me or can-opening my head, and I'm like, I feel ill-prepared. So um, I started traveling to all these different places to try to put together a fight package that worked for me, some, some sort of combat system that worked for me. Fast forward... Um, you know, you you network, you meet a lot of cool people. You're 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 in the process of building your filter, so you're like, well, that 
doesn't work, but that does, and that doesn't work, but that does, and there's, you know, boxing has got a lot to offer, and Muay Thai has got a lot to offer, and Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu became popular in the early 90s, and I gravitated toward it right away, and then I found a guy who did catch wrestling, and I was like, well, that's cool, and they were attacking things that other guys wouldn't, so anyway, I started to build this hodgepodge of, uh, of like a combat system that seemed to work well for me. And uh, I got together with, with James DeLuca, Handsome James, and Timmy Black and Tony Palmazano, and we talked about what would it be like if we built a facility where we didn't teach MMA because that started to become a, a trend. Like you had guys like Guy Chase who, like, we, we teach MMA. Well, my philosophy is my MMA is going to be very different from his MMA. He's going to be way more grappling-based than I am because I'm going to want to strike because I have... Uh, like I feel, I feel not equally as confident in my striking, but I, I feel comfortable striking. Whereas somebody who does simply judo, he's not going to want to, you know, he'll he'll know how to do a little bobbing and weaving. But for the most part, his job's going to go in, take the guy down, and submit him. So anyway, the idea was we're going to create this facility, and in this facility, we're going to offer these five martial arts: Muay Thai, boxing, uh, catch wrestling, BJJ. Uh, I think we had my old Hapkido instructor came in, and that was like the traditional aspect. That and and um, BJJ would wear a gi, and there was a structure to it. Whereas the rest of it was very club atmosphere, like. Yeah. And uh, we're gonna say, this is what this is what it is. That you know when all the classes are, you figure out what martial arts you want to take that work best for you. And then we were fortunate enough to have Adam Rivera, who was a very accomplished MMA fighter. Still, I mean, still is, and. Um, and he, on Sunday, at the end of the week, he offered an MMA class. Now, he didn't offer to teach MMA. Like, he didn't, like, like me, he, I don't think he believes that MMA is a system. It's going to be different for everybody. But what he offered to do was, we're going to do some strikes with some takedowns, with some submissions. And basically, he, he really brought the whole week's worth of classes together at the end. And uh, it, it really worked. It really worked well. We had uh, a lot of members uh, at our at our peak. I think I want to say we had like sixty seven members. Um, some nights it was standing room only. Yeah. It was just a for for a long time. Well, for a short time, but in my head it it's, it, it felt awesome because I was there almost every night. Um, it was Shangri La. Guys would come in and they would just soak the stuff up like a sponge, and they really liked the way it was laid out. If you did not want to take boxing or get hit, you didn't have to. You could just come in and do jujitsu if that's all you wanted to do. Um, and it just seemed it seemed to work. And we eliminated that I have to go down to Boston to go train BJJ, and then I go to go to Connecticut and take my kickboxing classes from you know Duke Rufus, or, or you know I had to. It it stopped that because we were able to offer a product under one roof with like Keith Walsh, very accomplished Muay Thai fighter. You're not going to get that training unless you go down to like Mark Delgratti's school uh, or City on Tong. You're not, this was before all these other schools had popped up. We had it all underneath one roof and guys were able to make their own salad of martial arts. And if they didn't want their croutons, they could, I don't want that. And they could make their most delicious salad that they wanted to. And at the end of the day, everybody walked out of that place. I used to walk out of that place almost decompressed like wow you know I, I it was awesome watching people start here and end their night here you know so that's 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 me in a nutshell and when seacoast disbanded i had to do some soul searching <coughs> um you know and it was 
it was a good thing. It was a sad thing, but it was it was still a good thing because I'm not a business guy. Like like I said it before, I'll say it again. I'm a mess. I you know I'm a I think I'm a pretty good instructor. I'm a pretty good coach. Um, but as far as keeping books and letting you know fighters are are, are flakes. You know, hey, I don't have any money this week, but I could pay you out of my purse when I win this fight. And then you go, okay, you won your fight. Can I have my money? You're like, oh, you know, I gave it up to student loans. But there's a value into letting that guy slide every once in a while because he's bringing your school notoriety. So it was, it was just a, a balance that, I, as a person, I, I'm, I have no proclivity to, to money and books. All I cared about was putting out a, a good product. Um, and I, J- Jim DeLuca, myself, Adam Rivera, and Keith Walsh, I thought we put out a real good product. And then we had guys like Derek who just – you the amount of growth that you could see in a person in any given week. Like I remember first rolling with him and being like, I can play with this guy all day. And it was a matter of like a year and a half, and all of a sudden – I'm wrestling with him, and I'm like, I can't really play with him anymore. And then two years goes by, and he's tapping me out left and right, and I'm like, holy shit, he just he just grew, like this, he just blossomed. So guys like him would pick up the slack, and they'd pick up a class and and start teaching for us, and it just worked really well. It was like a living, breathing organism where if I faltered somewhere along the line, somebody would be there to pick up where I left off and, and carry the ball forward for the rest of the guys. And a lot of friendships were, were forged. It was just a real magic time. Uh, but it, it, had to, it, it had to die eventually. I mean, I'm not sure it had to die the way it did, but it, it had to die eventually. And when it did, I had to do some soul searching, and I basically mercenaried myself out to all these other schools. And there was a part of me that was super appreciative of it because I was literally digging in my own pocket to pay instructors uh, at Seacoast, especially toward the end. Um, and now all of a sudden, these gym owners suffering from the same symptoms that Seacoast did where they're stretched so thin, they don't have enough instructors, they're teaching every class. Like, hey, Troy's coming in and he's teaching catch wrestling. I'm going to pay him. And I was I was getting money under the table. <laughs> and uh, and I was I was loving life. You right. know, it was, it was good for a little while. And then, I, like, I just, I'm getting old. And I could not, the wheels of the, that machine started to kind of come unglued. And I think I realized it when I was training. I was, t- was going to take a fight. I, had a, I have an issue where, or I had an issue, where every time I would get set up with a fight that I wanted, and this is part, a lot of this is my own personality, I would get set up with a fight I wanted. I wanted to fight Jackie May in the worst way because I'd seen him fight. We're the same size. Um, he's Asian, so... A white guy beating an Asian in a kickboxing match is going to be a little epic in, in my book. You know, like you guys invented this stuff, so right. um, that was that was my attempt at humor. <laughs> um, and uh, but every 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 single time I would find that perfect match, like I'm going to fight that guy. I'm going to fight that guy. They'd always back out of the fight. So Ed Carr comes up to me. He's like, "Dude, you're never going to get the perfect fight that you want. You just got to go out and put yourself out there." So I said, okay. So I started training at Link, not only you know teaching on my nights, but then training with their fighters. Now, that <laughs> school is a bunch of savages. It's like Seacrest reincarnated, it, it, really. It is, yeah, they, they throw <coughs> hard. And I, I, I think at that particular point in time, it was like maybe my third fighters training on Sunday. And, and that's literally, you're, you're going. You're just going. It, it's a fight but nobody's there to watch it. And Brent is just teeing off on my face, <laughs> and I'm in pain. 
and I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? Right. Like, it was, it was, it was, it was a realization that one, it's not necessarily the age; it's the mileage I put on myself. And two, is this really what I want? Do I want to continue taking shots? Like, I can't tell you how many concussions I probably have had. Yeah, um, you know, and d- that's a hard life. And uh, do I want to do this, or do I want to kind of go back to my roots and and try to? figure out like I think inevitably when you go out on on a journey like this you always go back to the beginning um and for me the beginning was I you know I got to learn to be a good jiu-jitsu player I never I I stalled out I stopped I stopped taking classes myself all I did was ever teach and I stopped growing as a person and that was like the 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 turning point for me where I was like I need to step out of this and I need to step back into being a student again and and suck up some knowledge make me feel like I'm growing again because I feel stale, I feel stagnant, um, and I was man, my body was breaking down. And that kind of comes back to uh, uh, in, in mind in my in my mind this is kind of bringing the, the right back to like that societal thing where it's just like, I mean, you having the humility to like step back and be like, I need to become a student again, like that that I don't know. I guess it. Uh, I guess it. Like, I'm. I'm finding some sort of correlation uh, in my mind. I'm. I'm just like, wow. That's. That's a pretty awesome thing to just be able to be. Like, be like, you know, I just want to take a step back, be humble, and that's one thing that's like lost a lot on people is like the humility. Say like, hey, I. I need to get back to learning. Right. Um, I. Th- I think. Well, this is an interesting topic to talk about, and um, because it's kind of almost. It's a weird uh, revolution going on is because I started with Troy and he taught, I mean, and we can talk about, so the thing that I've gotten from Troy over the years is um, I think he's really the person that kind of fostered my curiosity as far as my martial arts goes. And then thinking about it now and kind of having an epiphany, it's kind of fostered my curiosity and all this stuff that kind of has been going on between going from, you know, learning jiu-jitsu and trying to get good at that and then thinking about like well is there stuff outside of jiu-jitsu i could be doing to get better at jiu-jitsu like you know lifting weights and things again like that but it was always like you know um you always gave me the the, your tricks and then let me decide whether or not they work for me you know so like there's some hupkido wrist locks we just i kind of just I remember you showing them to me way back in the day and I kind of, you know, was occupied doing other things and now it's like the wrist lock has come back into play. So I'm like hitting these weird, you know, very Hupkido-like wrist locks that don't necessarily aren't the, they're, they're means to an end. They're not the end. So I like hit them, you know, to get the person to move and they, they bring up something else or whatever. Or if the person doesn't expect it, I might get the tap out of it. But it's one of those things and then like... Uh, foot locks and and feet attack and attacking the feet have, have come back around in popularity in jujitsu. But I can remember being, you know, in 2007, where if you hit a foot lock in a tournament, Ooh. it was a big no no. Yeah. But Troy teaching me foot locks, you know what I mean? And now it's like, I feel like I'm a, you know, I probably could have spent more time on them at the time and become an expert. But now I know enough to keep myself out of trouble, and I'm I'm ahead of a lot of people in the footlock attack range, whatever. Um, but it's a, so that's one thing is like, it really fostered my curiosity in, 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 
you know, taking it as much as I can and then filtering it within instead of having someone else filter it for me was a, a big thing, you know, and I, we talked about that a little bit last week with George's, you know, um, I think that's one of the things that martial arts does is it allows you to have confidence in your own decision making, you know what I mean? And, and instead of having someone else choose for you or someone else hold your hand, you know, it allows you to critically thing. think. Right. And, and yeah, for sure. And then the other thing that is an interesting topic that you brought up that I, I want to talk about is Troy. I started with Troy and now in some weird yeah. universe, now Troy is one of my students, but also now there are some of my students. I feel like I'm raising wolves. You know what I mean? Like I took them as, you know, puppies and now I'm counting the days and the training sessions before I get bit. You know what I mean? There are some guys in our academy where I'm like, I can't fuck around anymore. You know what I mean? And, and it's, I feel like it happened. I've, I've been on the accelerated program in jujitsu. You know what I mean? Like, I got my black belt in six years, which is like pretty fast. And now I'm training these guys six years later or whatever it is or, or however long the, the academy's been open that – it's going to be real soon before I'm there tapping me on a regular basis. For sure. You know what I mean? So it's a weird dynamic is how do you deal with and how do you make sure that you're still valuable as a teacher and instructor when those people that you're rolling with might be beating you on a semi-regular basis? You know what I mean? That's one thing that I'm dealing with. Like I'm teaching – like I'm giving you something I can't take back. Right. And you're going to be – and. Because of me, you're going to be better at it than I am eventually. How do I stay valuable? You know what I mean? Yeah. So here, here's the – and if you don't mind, this is, this is how I think of this. Every generation, okay, like if you want to say Muhammad Ali was the best boxer ever, I'm going to disagree with you. I'm going to say that Ali in his prime versus Tyson in his prime, Tyson's going to win. Right. Now that doesn't – now that has absolutely nothing to do with taking away the greatness that was Ali, okay? But my theory is – Generationally speaking, we keep putting out better fighters, and it's because you were you were better than me at jujitsu. When you made evolution to coach, you're going to be a better coach than I was at jujitsu. Now that doesn't mean I I have uh, like I I don't have the gift of gab and I can't still teach, but it means your your level of coaching is going to be indicative of your level of ability. You've already surpassed me in ability. So your coaching, by proxy, is going to surpass my coaching. You are going to teach that high level of coaching and ability to somebody fresh and new. And eventually, they will surpass you. That's not, uh, that's not because you're not great. That's just because you were so great that you gave them instruction that when I was your coach, I couldn't give you. Right. So they're automatically, when they reach that point where they decide they're going to give back to, to the martial art world and they're going to coach again, they will put out a student who will inevitably, and that's the coolest, it, it's, it's bittersweet because at some point I'm going to lose a match and I'm going to worry that I've lost credibility. Like, well, why am I learning from this guy if I can beat him? Right. The true the true student, somebody who understands what's happening here, will will go, no, no, no. Just because I tapped him out does not steal any of his credibility. I tapped him out because he gave me all the tools and instruction on how to tap him out. Right. And he was he was that driving force that as a coach you're a measuring stick students are always going to come in like tyler's always going to come in and he's going to measure he's going to use you as his yardstick as to his progress right he he's 
He's not using BJ Penn. He's not using those guys. He's using the person that's right in front of him who's taught him all these things. So at some point when his yardstick gets longer than yours, he'll start coaching other people and their yardstick will be. And it's, it's an awesome thing because we're creating this super warrior, this super right. monster right. who is going to out, outlast all of us. And, and it, that in, a, in a way, that's kind of your immortality because when Tyler's student talks about his lineage your name is going to be brought up in that right. in that list you were the roots of that tree and he's the branch now right, right? so i don't get upset anymore um that when student students of mine uh i used to when i was younger i'd be like oh man like i gotta figure out a way not to you know so i'd be snapping on leg locks and snapping on this you know and i'm like right. I, i'm not doing them any favors by doing that i i got to give them i have to allow them and be willing to let them beat me not give up the fight right but be okay with them beating me and that was a jagged pill to swallow right. a real jagged pill to swallow but i like to think that i did it with a modicum of grace right yeah i mean and i think that's uh i mean scott's a coach as well and you can kind of chime in but i mean i feel like it's a uh it happens in all things. Like, how do you deal with someone who hasn't been around as long as you are, but is now, say, like lifting more weight or with better technique and things like that? Is there? How do you find the the, the ability to stay relevant and stay valuable as a coach? I just always chalk it up to being old. <laughs> <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> um, no, I think it's a great thing. Um, I I think it's it's wonderful to watch somebody come in and 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 start off not knowing. Uh, I mean, having a having a that basis of physical strength and coming in and then just I mean it it's like they come in as this dull sword and. I mean, they they've they've taken taken some licks. They've used it a little bit, and they I mean they they've gotten a, a good base of like know how with that sword, and then you just start sharpening that sword over and over again, and you keep on giving them like doling out all this like all this information to them, and like every single time you give them information, it's just sharpening the sword just a little bit more, and then right. all of a sudden that sword is sharper than yours um i mean like and 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 all of a sudden they're they're just like they're they're completely killing it and you've given them all the technique um that you know and they're using that that technique and going out and just like completely killing it right i also feel like so (laughs) the thing that's kind of dawning on me is you talk about like sharpening the sword or, or or and you can use that analogy Sharpening the iron as you would. I, uh-huh, I see <laughs> what you did there. Half, no, <laughs> halfway halfway through that, I was, uh, I was like, ah, oh, shit. That's, <laughs> I, <laughs> uh, but it's, it's finding new ways to sharpen it. You know what I mean? I think that that's a, a way to stay relevant is, you know, you find new and exciting or different ways to, to coach, you know what I mean? Or get through to somebody and, and things like yeah. that. And, and if, if you think that there is only one way to coach somebody, like, you're absolutely, you're already wrong. There's right. so many ways to coach. Oh, somebody. for sure. Right. Um, Everyone's everybody's got, got their own cues, right? For sure. And the the sad thing is, is if you look at the rest of the world, that we live in this this kind of this mentality of hey, well, if it's not broke, don't fix it. And it's like, no, no, no. We need people to think outside the box because right. if if you're doing it a good way, somebody somewhere is doing it just a little bit better, and you right. got to figure that out. Like I I remember going to a, an Eric Paulson seminar. He was one of my heroes growing up, and. uh 
I remember paying money to go to this thing, and he just showed armbar, triangle, and Kimura. And I was like, what the fuck did I just spend 800 bucks for? I flew down here. I already know what an armbar looks like. What was fascinating was how he explained how he does his armbar and the way he taught it. He taught it by the numbers. He taught it by the feel. He taught it in ways that, and I, I literally remember going, what an asshole I am thinking that I, I knew what an armbar was. I mean, clearly I know physically what it is, right. but the way he explained it, I was like, I'm stealing that because it's way better than the way I explain how right. to do it. Right. So I think for sure, I think there's just, if you're doing it well or you're doing it right, somewhere out there, somebody else is doing it better. And it's because they thought outside the box and they said, yeah, I'm, I, this is great. We're all getting a good amount of training, but there's got to be a way to make this optimal. Right. You know? Yeah. I mean, I, I, another thing too, like that, and that's something that I urge like a lot of like, so we talked about, you know, coaching and, and doing things, whatever is, um, don't stop. So like you paid, you didn't pay $800 to learn the arm bar. You learned, you paid $800 to learn how to teach the arm bar differently. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think that that's like lost on a lot of coaches is like, you know, you may know all the techniques, but you might pick up one or two things here that make you a better teacher at those techniques. You know what For I mean? Sure. And that's something that I, I'm really fascinated by. Like we talked about this a little bit last week is I, have piecemealed my teaching style together just by copying and mimicking the way that coaches I've trained with that have gotten through to me the way they do it. You know what I mean? I've kind of made it my own and things like that instead of, you know, sticking with one way and and things like that. So I think that that is like a really valuable thing about, um, you know, staying relevant is, is figure out new and improved ways to teach the stuff that you're already good at. That's something that, that really has resonated with me as far as that stuff goes. Yeah, eventually, like I said earlier, you're always going to go back to the beginning. Yeah. And it's like I, f- I figure out things when I, when I do decide to go back to the beginning. And that's a, that's, that's a tough thing to do. Um, to, like, it, it, was, it, it was tough for me to acknowledge the fact that I'm fucking not what I thought I was. Or, or maybe I was, but I let everybody else kind of get ahead of me and I just stayed there. Right. But when you do circle back and you go back around, it's amazing some of the things you pick up that you totally didn't pick up the first time through. Right. You know, and, and like a lot of people are like, well, "What are you doing? You're taking a, a step backwards." And it's like, you know, you know what I'm doing is I'm 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 just I'm backtracking and I'm gonna walk that path again and see if I can't find something that I didn't find on the way up there. And, right. and so, to, to, just to piggyback what you said as far as always look for new ways to coach. Like you taught a class about uh, I, I'm sound like a broken record to you i'm sure but it was like the, the kimura you know and i'm like oh here we go again I, I already know the kimura and you had just explained it like don't don't sell out you know if you got that grip you hang on to it and and in the it through ca- the chaos of magic or magic chaos it right. you'll it will solidify into something and i can't tell you how many times i've used that right and if i hadn't taken the time to just walk backwards and go what did i miss the first time through i never would have picked that up and I was, it's worked for me. Small, small victories. I mean, it's not like I'm, I'm doing it in competitions quite yet, but I'm still going to other gyms and training and all of a sudden I'll, I'll find that grip and I'm like in the back, in the back of my head, I hear your voice saying, don't let go and don't sell out yet. Right. You know, this will, this will, this will bear fruit for you. Right. And it does. Yeah. That, well, Kimura is a prime example of something like that because that's one of those techniques where I can, I think Kimura was like probably the second or third technique in sure. jujitsu you learn. And so it's, it seems to be like, 
when it's the first thing you learn, it's the first thing to leave as well, too. You know, it's a in one year, out the other type deal. You're just kind of filtering things through. And the Kimura was one of those, like, <clears throat> but then I listened to an interview with Dave Camarillo where he was like, I don't let my new students do the Kimura, like white belt, do Kimuras. I don't teach them Kimuras because it's such a dangerous technique. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? So, like... You could have just asked me what the fuck a Kimura was instead of writing it down and handing me a note. So <laughs> I didn't want to disturb your train of thought. So Kimura is just a, it's a it's a double wrist lock. It was named after I forget what the first guy his name was his first name was Masahito. Masahito Kimura, who he broke Helio Gracie's arm in it in like a forty minute match in Rio de Janeiro back in the fifties. Um, he's this famous judoka, um, and it's it's. Pretty much uh, in judo, it's called Ude Garai. It's a double wrist lock. So you reach, you grab their wrist with one hand, you reach under their elbow and grab your own wrist that's grabbing their wrist with the other hand, and you can just apply a ton of torque on their shoulder. And it's one of those things where, you, I mean, you know that the shoulder is such a, a, uh, a complicated uh, joint that you can do all sorts of damage applying torque in the right direction as long as you know the physics of it you know you put a 90 in the arm i i suck the the ball into the socket so there's less um range of motion and you just apply torque in the area where there's no range of motion so i listened to this interview with dave camarillo and he's like i don't let any of my new students do ude garai i don't let them any do any of the kimura because it's such a dangerous technique and i was like what the fuck? That's like one of the first techniques I learned. I don't ever do the Kimura anymore. And then I start thinking about it, and I'm like, when I was a blue belt, probably, until I was about a purple belt, I got tapped out with more fucking Kimuras <laughs> than any other technique. Yeah. Like, that's what, like, that was the bane of my existence. Someone get that, and I'd be like, and I thought it was just me either. I mean, I had this, uh, and we can kind of talk about this too, which is an interesting topic, is I feel like I didn't have the wherewithal or the gumption to not quit or the confidence in myself to not quit until I was almost 30. You know what I mean? Up until then, I was not confident in myself, even though I was already a black belt, you know? Um, so I just chalked it up to, you know, in the back of my mind, oh, I quit on that match or whatever. Or, um, you know, I was tired and I let the guy get the grip, whatever. But now, looking back into it, it's a very valuable, hard technique to deal with if someone gets it. You know, I probably was uh, sleeping on the technique to even let them get those two grips. Someone gets those two grips now, they grip my wrist and they grip their own wrist. I'm fighting like my life depends on it to yeah. get out of it. Um, so I just re-looked at the Kimura. You know, you look at someone like David Alavan, who's got the Kimura trap, and he taps out a ton of really good people with this Kimura trap series that he's got. So I watched his webinar. He's got like a two-hour webinar on YouTube. So I, you know, and I'm like, oh, I know this technique, but he's doing this a little bit different. I know this technique a little bit different, whatever. And now it's one of those things I've, I've re kind of walked that path of learning the Kimura and I've gone from being really basic in that Kimura technique to really advanced in that Kimura technique. And I hit him from everywhere. The thing is now, you, now if you know the physics of the Kimura, you can make your living on it. And I have two things. I mean, I'll tell everyone my game right now, butterfly guard and Kimura. <laughs> you know, if you let me play my butterfly guard game and get that Kimura grip, it's smooth sailing for me, you know? Um, and then that opens up, you know, is one of the things I forget what the fucking quote was now, but Dave Camarillo has this quote where he's like, if you get get so proficient at one technique that people are afraid of it, 
other stuff will start to manifest and it becomes easier. So I hit that Kimura. They want, don't want the Kimura. They turn their back. I choke them. You know what I mean? Yeah. I get that Kimura. They don't want the Kimura. They straighten their arm. I get regular straight arm bar. You know, so it's, or I sweep them with it or whatever. You know? So it's getting so singular. Again, that's, I get singularly obsessed with that one technique that it starts to branch off into just opening up the, 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 you know, the universe opens up. So that was one of those things where, it, it, you know, coming back full circle is I had to go back and rehash those things and, and things like that. And, and it really just opened up, but it's one of those, it's, you know, you learn it when you're, I learned it probably my third day at grappling and it was one of those techniques where I just kind of threw it by the wayside. And now it's like, I beat people, I fucking destroy people with yeah, you it, do. you know? So it's, it's interesting how you can, and, and the, that's the other interesting thing is you can take a, any technique, the simplest technique and, and, you can make it really advanced and complicated, you know, no matter what it is. You know, I know a ton of people that they've taken, you know, the flower sweep or the scissor sweep, which is, you know, a very basic sweep and grappling. You know, you just kind of take take away two base on the, you know, so if someone is on all fours, four legs of the table, you take out two legs of the table and you get to topple the person over and reverse the position. And they've taken that and, you know, whether they've, comboed it with a bunch of other techniques or learned really sophisticated ways to trap that the two legs of the table or whatever it is and you know that's their go-to move but it's one of those moves there's it's the first one you learn sure when you're grappling you know yes it's it's it's, it's that's much like a lot of things in like, life and a lot of uh different training that you go through i mean in crossfit we have like the 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 ba- the basic like moves in CrossFit, I mean, I'm sure that there's basic moves in in jujitsu. There's yeah. basic moves in 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 all other martial arts where it's just like you get that <laughs> first basic move and everything kind of branches out yeah. from that. And I mean that 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 goes that goes with, with pretty much everything in life. You're not going to start off learning the most complicated thing and then learn the basic move afterwards you're going right. to you're going to start off with that base right and that's 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 the most important part right talk about that do the do the common uncommonly you know what i mean like uh, get, exactly i remember i watched a uh was actually it was on that gold medal body um website so it's like this like I mean, how would you explain gold medal body uh gmb fitness yeah um it's they're very movement focus right. but moving well so it, it's it's an entire um it's like youtube and, and a website and and a training program of like uh being able to utilize your entire body the way it's designed to to move like especially they're big on like uh hip function yep. um being able to move your hips uh, all around i've been like my my basic warm up for ever I do gold medal bodies warm up every single day I'm gonna lift and it's like I have really really tight hips so I go through this um, basic movement um, basic movement uh, plan that they have laid out and four minutes later I'll go from not being able to break parallel with a squat to I'm almost ass of grass yeah. with with a with a squat. So um, they're definitely doing something right, and I I actually I love them. I applaud. I've I passed along their um, their kind of like hip hip movement uh, warm up to several people with tight hips in right. the gym, and they've they've actually like 
they said like, oh yeah, it's great, and then they never do it again, <laughs> <laughs> which is <laughs> which makes me want to shake shake my fist at them. <laughs> the older I get, the more I enjoy reading and listening to Steve Maxwell because he talks a lot about joint mobility and and it, you know I remember it's days of Seacoast go from the car to the mat. I don't need to warm up. Let's just right. go and do this. Now, you know, I'm I'm going to be 39 in a couple of days and uh like if I don't stretch out before and I don't stretch out after, right. I am in rough shape. Right. Well, on that website they had um they had a, a thing about learn the basics first and they actually used which is like funny um but they used Rodney Mullen. And you guys don't know who Rodney Mullen is. He's, he Really? Yeah. He's like that's awesome. He is probably the most prolific skateboarder in what would you say the past, you know, twenty five years. You know, uh, well, his his style is definitely like like he he definitely has well, his own style. Yeah, on skateboarding, when you could watch like the most insane shit you've ever seen, but not like so. The whole thing was if you look at Rodney Mullen, the way he skateboards is it's all based on the basics. You know what I mean? He mastered the basics so well that he didn't have to worry about them anymore. That they were just habit, right? That then he can move on to the more advanced stuff. And you watch Rodney Mullen, like he doesn't do, you know, he's not flying 500 feet in the air on this fucking ramp that he needed, you know, a year to build or whatever. He's just skating down the street doing the craziest shit you've ever seen on, you know, maybe a handrail here or a curb here or whatever. But a lot of it is just on the flat ground. If you watch, um, Forget what the the Bones Brigade documentary. It's on Netflix, and it's like so. The Bones Brigade was this, you know, Tony Hawk was part of the Bones Brigade. Steve Caballero, like all these famous guys, and Rodney Mullen was on the Bones Brigade, and it was like one of the first high level skateboard teams back in the early '90s, late '80s. But pretty much the whole documentary is about how all these guys were fascinated with Rodney Mullen. You know what I mean? Because he would be like they'd be on a tour bus. The only be the, it was the first skate park tour in the world and they're skate they're going around to all these skate park tours and they'd stop in the middle of the night and they'd all go to bed and you could hear in the middle of the night this guy's fucking tail slapping on the ground because he's out in the parking lot inventing techniques and inventing moves but it's because he knew those basics so well so like one of the things that they're talking about was like yeah you know what the first thing you do is learn how to squat down properly and then you can start squatting overhead or squatting in front or whatever you know First thing you learn to do is do a push-up with your hands on the ground, and then you can start bringing your feet closer to your hands, and then eventually you're doing a handstand, and then eventually you're walking. But the first thing you need to do is learn how to put your hands firmly on the ground right. to do those things. And I mean, then they went through this whole like five basic techniques you can master to be good at moving. You know what I mean? So it was pretty interesting that whole like. You look at someone like Rodney Mullen, and I'm sure if you looked at a lot of martial artists or whoever is really good at whatever they can do, you know, you look at those guys that, I mean, I fucking hate basketball, but if you look at like that and one basketball where they're fucking doing all those tricks, they fucking know how to dribble, they know how to shoot, they know how to, you know, pass the ball basically very, very well, and then they add the flair to it afterwards. Right. If you, uh, if you, if it's a reflection that the world is kind of cyclical, it's, uh, when you when I first got introduced to martial arts, it was uh, Okinawan karate, and it was you would just hit the makawara board a hundred times, you know, over and over and over again, making sure your form was perfect. And then something kind of happened in the in society, and everybody wanted uh, like more immediate gratification. So it seemed like that was when like the Fred Villaris 
would pop up and you was basically you were paying for your you're going to get a black belt in three years as long as you give me 300 bucks every year and right. you know we'll teach you how to do jump spin kicks and stuff and uh something was lost there there was a, it, you know it, we went from the point where you know you if you were an archer in feudal japan you had a bow for five years before they give you an arrow and you would do nothing but just pull the bow pull the bow finally they give you an arrow and then you're off and, and running now <coughs> that this immediate gratification has kind of ebbed um you're seeing everybody kind of go back to the fundamentals and picking apart like everything to its its finest points right and uh so i, I just to go along with what, what you were saying as far as like the basics go but i think society has has definitely like we're still in an immediate gratification sort of sort of world but there's a lot of people you know you can use music as an example um you could use art you can use uh martial arts combat but there's a there's a big trend of everybody trying to break things down to the simplest elements possible and then you know like you said 10 years ago there was no gym teacher who cared if you were doing a push-up properly they just wanted you to do 25 push-ups to satisfy whatever test you were taking at the time now all of a sudden you've got crossfit you've got a a whole slew of these um you know physical fitness places that are just like hey listen we're going to show you how to do this but you're going to do it functionally and properly before you know you start banging out reps and that's that's just super interesting to me because we've gone we've gone back to that place where it's like no, no no you're going to pull the bow back for four years before we give you a, an arrow to shoot, you're gonna you're gonna learn proper hand placement to do a push up, proper foundation first, and that's I think that speaks volumes about that aspect of our culture. I think in a lot of other ways we're still immediate gratification. Give it to me now, you know. I want the new iPhone right now. Nothing's wrong with this phone; still works. Right. You know what I mean. Right. But it is interesting that we're we've gone back to that grass that that foundation like. What what can we do fundamentally different that'll help our game way up here? Right. Yeah, and it seems, seems to be working because people are doing crazier, yeah. crazier shit all the time. You know. Um. I mean, I don't know. Like, you look at like I mean, one of the things that's going on right now is is the CrossFit Open. You know, and I feel like that because it's so like it's the same set of workouts everyone in the world does and then they put their scores in or whatever and i feel like this year like the scores that are put in this year are so much better than oh, the scores sure. of the year before and the year before that and the year before that like that like people are becoming super athletes and and, yep. and things like that just by osmosis it almost seems like yeah i think i i saw a uh, <coughs> good instagram post the other day that was a, a girl i think she was um i think she was like push jerking 225 and and i think the the quote underneath it was just like it was like i remember years ago when the the strongest male athletes couldn't were, do were doing 225 yeah. right. and it's like now we got women doing 225 and i'm, I'm a side note before any dude out there that has like masculinity problems like oh, she's a dude um Fuck you. Uh, <laughs> it's funny. It's funny you say that because I am super attracted to Annie's Thor's daughter, and my wife is like, it just means you like dudes because she looks like a dude. And I'm like, she. There is nothing about that woman that looks like a dude. I just want to crawl all over her. I want to make love to a giant. <laughs> she is. She is giant. She is. She's so if you lot. have any Pretty cross, if you have any CrossFit connections and you want to hook me up, <laughs> I might be able to get a hall pass on that one. I'm not 100 percent sure. <laughs> she, 
she's your she's your uh, hall pass. Yeah, she's my hall pass for sure. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, uh, no, I just, like, I just wanted to dominate me. It's, it's funny. <laughs> it's funny that you say. Uh, Annie Thor's daughter of all people too, which is hilarious because Scott might have some connections for you. <laughs> Buddy, if you could hook me up, I'd be eternally grateful. Uh, I might be in line first. Um, <laughs> I might be all right with that. I'm not 100% sure. Um, so, I mean, it, it definitely goes goes on both sides. Where it's, I mean, like people want to talk about fat shaming and all that stuff. And it's like, oh, real women have curves and all that stuff. And, um, and then you get this other side where like women are pushing themselves to be strong, be fit, be powerful. And like I that's the that's one I know we're going on a total tangent from what we were talking no, about. No, 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 go on. I like it. I can't stand the fact that like there's some dudes out there I, I or women that are just like, "Oh, she's a man." Yeah. Like I hate that comment. Like more than anything, like I know people very very intimately that have pushed themselves so hard and are just i mean they they are like solid muscle they're super strong they're killing it in the in the crossfit game and like a lot of dudes out there be like she looks like a dude like it's because they're uh, it's like well, I it's think because it's, they're a bunch of pussies well i, I think <laughs> I, oh it is i i think it's funny like so one of the things like i think i set a precedence like and and it kind of was uh like anyway, I'll tell a story, and, and it's indicative to, like, I think it left an impression, and it, it speaks to to who I was, or whatever. But I remember a, a female athlete in our CrossFit gym. We have like a little private Facebook group on, and like you can post things, and only the people that are group members can whatever. And so it was an ever proven Facebook group, and some girl who was awesome, fucking crushes it, put this thing up, and was like, you know. uh it was like a same thing. It was like, you know, if a man tells you you're too masculine and all this stuff, it was this meme, whatever. And my comment was, if fucking you're a dude and you're intimidated by a strong woman, you're a weak bitch. Like this, yeah, and just left exactly. it at that because that's, it's the, it's the God's honest truth, man. You know, and I think that that's, and it goes beyond, you know, women and, or male or female, or whatever. If you're intimidated by someone strong, you're a fucking weak bitch. How about you get inspired instead? How yeah. about that? Well, no, or, or you could be the far, on the far other side of that and that's me I get turned on (laughs) (laughs) I uh like I can't tell you how many times and and my friends were all relatively like-minded but every once in a while like I like to have a friend who is that voice of dissent to keep me from stepping in a bear trap um which I can find um and it's uh you know I'll I'll confide you know you have that (laughs) drunken moment where you confide and they're like uh so what you know and I'm like I think female bodybuilders are hot now I'm not talking about the ones that you know, suffer from, <laughs> suffer from that, whatever that is, like muscle dysplasia where they, you know what I mean? But like the Miss Fitness USA, the relatively, the, the, the natural looking female bodybuilders, right. I think there's something so beautiful about musculature on a woman's body. Right. You know, and like, of course I got my friends like, dude, just tap out, you're gay, you just want to have sex with dudes. And I'm like, no, I, I, I don't want dicks. I don't. Um, I I promise. Right. I I promise that's not the case. But I am so super attracted to athletic women. Right. That yeah. is my. I, I, think tw- I, I like you make you 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 make the 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 line between like athletic women and bodybuilding. Right. Because no, I, I I definitely think so. I think the key word there is athletic. You know what I mean? Like right. I think there's something to be said about. Usefulness. I mean, right. Well, it's also, but it's also like being aware. You know what I mean? And taking the time to 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 want to be 
opter- operating at your optimal. Yeah. You know what I mean? And not... I appreciate the, the level... When I look at um, the Miss Fitness competitions or a CrossFit, and I, f- I happen to find that girl attractive, not only do I find her attractive physically, but there's a part of me that goes, she is willing to put that much time and effort into making herself into that. Right. That's something very appealing about that. There's right. something very... Uh, ar- to me erotic about that it's right. like wow she is she she wants to make herself as optimal as possible and for whatever reason i know the sacrifice not that i'm a, a specimen but i know the sac- kind of sacrifice that goes into that and there's something very attractive about that well it's, i think it's also too it's it's as much as you know it's we talk about um you know being like-minded and things like that it's it's they recognize the struggle they've yeah. been in the struggle they yeah. they, they, they they're have, willing to suffer right they've gone through the struggle to get you know and they're driven you know I mean, it doesn't you, you got to put the work in to yep. get that so i think there's like the, that sub you know that primal thing in the back of your head where it's like yeah you know like i can mate with that and make strong progeny right yeah or or <laughs> right or, or, or they're they're not gonna fucking kill kill over and die yeah. as soon as they get the going gets tough yeah. you know what i mean so it's i mean it's the same thing with like why men are attracted to fucking certain curves you know big hips and you know whatever is because you are can bear children sure. well you know what i mean so it's, it's almost that same thing you know you're strong you're, you're you know i think it goes both ways you know women you know or some women whatever you're talking about like like strong men you know what i mean some men like strong women. it's it's i like uh one of my one of my side one of the things i do to occupy my mind is i like to write and i also like to do a little stand-up comedy and i'm trying my best i, I to do this bit my cousin if do you guys mind if I just tell the story real no, quick? Go for it. So we're, we're talking about things that turn guys on. So that's in the vein of this conversation. So anyway, my cousin used to live outside of a golf course in Greenland. And one day we're out. We used to pick up the balls and we'd bring them back to the uh, like 14, 15 years old. Right. Uh, we used to pick up the balls and we used to bring them back to the golf club and sell them you know, to them because they made it past the net and stuff and make a little money. But anyway... We're out there, and we're walking the edge of the golf course, and there's, like, a shack. Now, this, this, this is a great place to get got, for sure. Like, I'm like, I don't know what's in there, but it's cool. I'm young. I'm going to check it out. So we open it up, and there is a black, hefty bag, and it is just full of pornography. <laughs> <laughs> and so I know I have just discovered a treasure trove here. <laughs> uh, you know, so, uh, but, but now, looking back at it, looking back at it, I'm like, some dude had this little sanctuary out in the woods where he would go play nine holes and then abuse the fuck out of himself in the shack. So, <laughs> so like, there was a there was a part of me who knew, there was a part of me who knew that, like danger's close here. So I had my cousin who was a little younger than me keep a lookout <laughs> while I went and surveyed this treasure trove. So I'm sitting there flipping through it, flipping through it, flipping through it, and how many of those pages were stuck together? Yeah, yeah, right. So I'll, I'll oh. tell you, I'll tell you where I want to go with the comedy bit in this because it is a true story. But I'm going to tell you the, the factual story first. So I'm looking through it, and he's in the back, and he's like, "Dude, what is it? What is it? What is it?" And I'm like, I'm flipping through it, and I'm like, "It's a bunch of pictures of." dicks and feet like it was one of those fetish <laughs> magazines right. and i'm like i'm i'm like super disappointed like i'm like this isn't fun at all right. like this is just like women giving guys foot jobs and stuff this is awful so where i want to go like comedically with it is after i tell the story i'd be like i have to appear all abashed like it's nothing but a bunch of dicks and feet and ever since then i can't do yoga without getting a boner <laughs> <laughs> 
but I, I have to work on it. Like I, I have a lot of humor that like my, I use my wife as a sounding board. And she's like, you can't tell that joke. That's not one of them, but she's like, right. you, you can't tell that joke. Right. But uh, yeah, it, but uh, along the vein of what turns guys on, there there is a there is a there is a contingent of dudes out there that for whatever reason love feet, right? You know, or they love piercings, or they love, and it's like Have it's so weird what turns certain guys on. With me, it's athletic girls. For some guys, it's a well pedicured foot, right? Have you, ever, <laughs> have you ever, do you ever listen to, I don't really like the guy at all, to be honest with you. Like, I've stopped listening to his podcast, but do you ever listen to Chris Ryan's podcast? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where he talks about imprinting. Like, when you're, yeah. when you're a very small child, there might be, like, one thing that happens that, for some reason, I, like, I don't know what the sexual trigger is, but it, it triggers you sexual, and then, for the rest of your life. Sure. That is what turns you on. So it could be like, you know, you're playing under the table and your mom's friend was over at barefoot in pantyhose and like you saw up her skirt real quick. So then like you made the association, the, the association with, with bare feet and pantyhose or whatever yeah. was a sexual thing, whatever. So it's like it's, it's an interesting topic to like think back in your life and like, oh, what fucking turns me on now? What happened to me when I was a child? I mean, I can think. I mean, but that's the other crazy thing is like you can go beyond even just the 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 sexual thing, you know, and go just to like what happened to you in your early life that you don't even know is affecting you as an adult. Oh, you know for I mean? sure. I can remember like so. I've worked with my dad every summer since I was probably ten years old. You know, just earning extra money, you know, like whatever. And uh, I can remember I would, and he tried to impress this upon me, is like, he was like, you need to take that money that you made all summer and save it, and it needs to last you the rest of the year. And I'm fucking 10 years old. I don't fucking You don't fucking, get this. No, no. This is like, this money's coming into my pocket. I'm spending it immediately. There was no money left at the end of the week. But I can remember thinking, be like, I fucking hate money. I hate money. Like it's, it's a like, source of stress. It's a source of stress. I hate money. Guess what? I still fucking hate money. Like yeah. if I could do everything for free and just get compensated with the things that I need in life, I would fucking do it. I don't like that's like my my, my wife, like we're so perfect for each other because she likes she's went to school for finance. So she likes dealing with the numbers or whatever. Like, if it wasn't for my wife, would I wouldn't fucking own a house. Like, no, that's like, a fact. I, we, I mean, I can remember sitting down, getting our mortgage, and they're talking about PMI and interest rate. <laughs> and I'm like, my freak. fucking, my head is spinning. Like, <laughs> I, like, I'm like, I totally checked out of this conversation. I'm fucking, you could have, what what's the mortgage? Can we afford it? Fucking done. Like, yeah. none of that other bullshit. You know what John mean? Wayne said, a man has got to know his limitations. <laughs> well, that, the, as soon as numbers... I mean, I fucking did 148 minus 4 in a calculator last week. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I still use my phone to figure out how, if I'm tipping the waitress enough right, if I go out to eat right. because I'm so stupid. Well, that's like... I don't go... My, I look directly at my wife and she tells me the number. Yep. I write it down and fucking that's Dude, the end of it. It is, a, it is absolutely amazing that if we could talk about marriage or relationships just for a sec... It is absolutely amazing that before I was married, I could balance my checkbook. I knew exactly what I was doing, where I was going. Then all of a sudden, like she took over that responsibility. I don't I can't even remember my bank account numbers. And I'm no. like, I have no idea where my money goes and, and what it what it does. She handles the mortgage. She handles the daycare. She handles all this stuff. And I'm like, I have no idea. Like it's all in a way, it kind of makes me feel trapped. Insofar as if I ever decide like I want to be single again, I'm like, 
am I going to have to like go back to school and fucking do arithmetic and right, figure right. this shit out for right. myself again? Because I don't know if I can navigate this right. by myself anymore. Right. I'm, right. I'm helpless. That's. I mean, I've only been married. Like, so I've been with my wife for, it's going on seven years, but I've only been married one. Like, so we've like, but we've pretty much been married. Uh, we're just legally married for one. And like, it's so funny, like, I'll buy something, and she's like, we don't have the money for that. And I'm like, I didn't know. Yeah. I didn't know we didn't have the money for that. Like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Like, I literally take my paycheck, deposit it, and that's the fucking yeah, end it, of it. Yeah, it fucking goes into the ether. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, so, like, my thing right now, and I, I've mentioned this a couple times, like, I'm my whole aim in life is, like, I went one way, and I started to go, and I'm like, I've decided, oh, I don't like that direction my life is going in, so I've, I'm trying to screw it back, but I want... So little life overhead that sure. any amount of money, because I hate money, is fuck you money. So like I could, you know, someone pays me to do something I enjoy. If it's something I don't want to do, I'm like fuck you. I don't want to do that. I yeah. don't. I don't need the money to do that. That's as another thing that like working working with my dad has has as a young child has carried over into my adult life is like I don't want to do anything for money that I don't want to do. I don't want to whore myself out like that. So I'm like telling my wife this and all this stuff, and she's like. You know how far from that we are? And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, I don't. I'm like, I don't. I don't I'm like, what do you mean we're so far from that? And she's like listing all of these bills we have, and I'm like, oh my fucking god, you're trapped, right? But it's it's. And, but she's not trapping no. me. Just life has no, trapped no. Life me. has trapped you. Right. So here, I mean, I, you had mentioned earlier about a, a failed relationship, mm. and and I so I get it. But it's is it's almost. It's so very strange, and I think I'm having this epiphany because I just had another baby. But um, it's like you're indoctrinated from the moment you're young. To they tell you, listen, you're gonna go to school, you're gonna figure out a profession, and that's gonna be you're gonna make money at that profession. It's gonna be your career per se. Right. This was this was my generation. The, I think the younger, the, the newer generations are like they're less career minded and more like it's a fucking job. It's a means to an end. But for me, it was a career. You're going to find somebody. You're going to pair bond with that person. You're going to buy a house, which you and that person will dwell. And then you are going to make <laughs> little people. Right. And like you, you, you go through life and you do that. And every once in a while, I have that oh shit moment where I'm like, what the fuck happened to me? Like, right. how did I get to this moment in time where... I've got a kid on this arm, two kids going to gymnastics over there, a wife yelling at me because I'm not doing anything right. <laughs> and it's like, what? At some point, like, did, did the world dupe me or did I dupe myself or did, like, how did this happen? Right. And it, I, don't, I don't think it's just applicable to marriage. I think it's applicable to your job. You're right. like, you get duped into thinking that, you know, I got I to I gotta work super hard, make a lot of money, and then. At the end of the day, I'm not any happier that I made more money and I don't feel any more accomplished for like I don't have that sense of I did a job and I did it well. Like I don't like I'm like it, there's no reward intrinsic to what I'm doing per se other than the fact that I give you this much time, you pay me for that time and then on the weekends I get drunk, stupefy myself so I don't have to think about going back to work next week or right. or or doing that this week or doing this this week. Right. So it's like it's 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 I find life, the older I get, like I'm like, what I used to navigate well, I'm not quite sure I navigated well at all. Or, or yeah. Yeah, or I even, think. Or even want to navigate it. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's exhausting. It's right. exhausting to, to try to walk a certain path and be like, is this, 
am I doing this because this is what I want to do, or am I doing it because this is what everybody told me I should have done? Right. So I think that's like that. It's an interesting thing to talk about as far as um, one. We, I was talking about this with a friend of mine at the academy the other day. Was um, it didn't seem like so. I'm I'm self employed. I, I I'm in the family business. I work with my dad every day. You know, um, I'm essentially put myself out of work on a regular basis. So I'm always wondering where my next paycheck will come from, which is is fucking nerve wracking. I was like, oh, I need to get a fucking regular job. I need to get a job where I get a fucking paycheck every fucking week, where I know it's consistent, whatever. And then on the other hand, I think about it like, fuck that. Like, I get to like show up when I want, leave when I want. Yeah. Fucking, if I don't want to work, I don't work. You know, like, but I need to orchestrate the rest of my life to kind of fit that you narrative. Know, narrative. And the other thing too is like, so we bought a house last year. We've been in our house for a year total pretty much. And so last year when I did my taxes, because we were buying the house, I needed to show every penny I made, whatever. And I'm like, we did it there in the year. And I'm like, where the <laughs> fuck did all this money go? Like, like I made yeah. so much fucking money yeah. last year. I, I, like, it's like, I literally have barely any of it left. Like one tenth of that amount of money left. But then on the other hand is like two years ago or the year before that, when the fucking recession hit, I made barely any money. Like I made fucking a third of what I made last year. My life didn't change at all. Right. You know what I mean? Like it didn't matter whether I was making 20 grand a year or 80 grand a year. It was all the fucking same. It, yeah, you know what it, I mean? It, it's for sure. It, at the end of the year when I'm doing taxes, I'm like, I can't believe we made this much money. And then I'm accusing my daughters of gambling. I'm like, what'd you do with our money? Right, right, right. But the, and then, then the funny like and then the funny thing is is like the uh, I feel like that's the, the the allure to competition and the martial arts is to kind of you you feel like even though it doesn't mean anything in the long run you're doing something meaningful with that time yeah you know what it's I mean? it's what what you call an autotelic event it means that the reward is inside what is what you, what it is that you're doing right. whereas I don't get that feeling. When right. I go to work every day, I right. don't feel like there's some reward intrinsic in this this thing that I do. I just feel like this is a means to an end. And right. uh, but you're absolutely right. It's like it's it, it's autotelic. You you're in. It puts you in that that flow state too, where um, shit is always going through my mind. Like I can't quiet my mind down at all. Right. But the second I'm rolling, I'm I'm in that that flow state where. I'm not, not not to be confused with like flow rolling. Right. My mind is 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 like just riding a wave, and if if this happens, I'm going to do this, and if this happens, I'm going to do that. And for those for that five minutes on the clock, I am at peace, and I'm and I feel rewarded for it. Like right. the entire time, I'm feeling reward here. Like this is there's a reward system ingrained in what I'm doing. Right. And for five minutes, I am so happy, and then that buzzer goes off, and I go back to being miserable me again. And then you set the clock, and I go, oh, five more minutes of this. Right. Right, yeah, it was the same way with like yeah, go, going right into to a uh, a workout. Right. Like, I mean, you 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 might be somewhere else through like warming up and then doing mobility, and you might still be somewhere else doing uh, doing your strength. But the second that buzzer sounds and you're in that quote unquote wad workout of the day, um, for that time period, you're you're there. Like yeah. the the only thing that exists is you and that bar or that pull up rig or that kettlebell or something like that. And that's and that that's such an awesome feeling. You just like is the is is getting to check out. 
even for that small amount of time during the day, you get to check out. Yeah. Um, life doesn't exist anymore. All that exists is within your space. Yeah. And such an awesome thing. It really is. And, it, and it's, it's weird that we use the terms like you get to check out when the fact of the matter is I am so in, like, I, I understand you're what you're completely saying. completely tuned in. But I'm, yeah, I'm, so, in. I'm so tapped into something that I don't, like, uh, if, if there were radio frequencies in the air that, you know, path to success, path to failure, path to happiness, I am definitely tuned into that like moment that path to happiness like my head is an antenna just and i am i am i'm tapping into something for that amount of time but it does it, it, it's it's kind of a paradox because you do think of it as checking out because i'm checking out of the rest of this minutiae the rest of this bullshit like i'm i'm so checked out here that that's a it's a lot for me to read right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, but, uh, but you're, I, I, you're tapped I'm, into something. Yeah, I mean, it's it like was it uh, was Rogan always uh, call it tapping into your uh, to your monkey self or your your primal your, self? Yeah, your primal self. Um, and and that's what it what it comes down to. Whether it be martial arts, whether it be CrossFit, um, whatever it is, you're. I mean. It like nothing else exists. That's a fact. Except for you and yourself, and that's such an awesome thing. And I think that's why people get like completely, like, like people that come from from doing nothing to walking into uh, jujitsu or walking into an MMA gym <laughs> or walking into a CrossFit gym, is that they all of a sudden they get to just unhook themselves from everything around them, and they're only there and. I think a lot of people, a lot of times, is like when you get a shitty workout in, it's not because you got a shitty workout. It's because... You couldn't unplug. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You could not unglue yourself. I've uh, had those nights. Yeah. that's Those are the nights that I like go on a rower and blast some music and, and like... And like I'll I'll do more I'll I'll do extra yeah <laughs> right when I when I don't get the tap out I do extra well that's like that's this, that's this quote that I was showing you one of the, by the way one of my favorite people in the world right. one of the Henry w- Rollins Henry oh, Rollins yeah. yeah hands down the iron never lies that's the best one the iron never lies to you you can walk outside and listen to all kinds of talk get told you're a god or a total bastard the iron will always kick you the real deal the iron is the greatest reference point. The all-knowing perspective giver, always like a beacon in the pitch black. I have found the iron to be my greatest friend. It never freaks out on me, never runs. Friends may come and go, but 200 pounds is always 200 pounds. That's, that's, that's badass. Yeah. And that, that also, I mean, that quote also goes to say, like, I mean, when you guys talk about, um, we've talked about it in the past, where when you're rolling and you're not, and you're not giving a certain percentage as being a partner, like, like um, I think... Uh, I think George talked about it. It was, like, it was like, like I need you there. Right. Like as 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 much as like you need me to be there, I need you to be there too. And that and that probably goes to show for goes goes for rolling as well. It's just like like you need the other the other person be given out a, a certain percentage in in that that aspect. And uh, luckily, <laughs> two hundred pounds is two hundred pounds when it comes to a barbell. But right. Well, I think that the other thing too that like. I mean, it's so indicative to what's going on with these conversations is, I mean, that's where the whole name Iron Sharpens Iron comes from because as one man sharpens another, you know, you could replace that, the iron in that quote with 
your training partner you know what i mean oh, like sure. I, and that's like the, the thing about and that's kind of how i i kind of like to operate my life and where i'm steering my life too is i'm not surrounding myself with just anybody i'm surrounding myself with iron you know what i mean yeah. like my friends are iron they're yeah. always there the people that i associate with and you know what they won't freak out on me they won't run away when my my friends are 200 pounds always you know what yeah. i mean that they're they're a weight that either is on my back that's making me work hard or a weight under my feet lifting me to the next plane you know what i mean like that's it's, that's the it's that's about, what this whole thing was about self to hold yourself like uh, self accountability can be exhausting mm. and for me to go to a gym and hold myself by myself accountable i'm going to falter right. but if i got a training partner somebody who will hold me accountable to what right. we're doing then I tend to excel. And it's not, I don't necessarily consider myself a weak person. I just think it's in our nature to, like, self-accountability is just a difficult thing to do. But you got somebody there pushing you, making sure, like, you're going to do this. Right. You're going to suffer. And when you fail at it, you're going to suffer even more. But you're going to come out the other end. Right. That person's holding me accountable. That helps me out because right. I can't always do it myself. Right. Well, and that, that's the other thing, too, is, like, <clears throat> we talk about this is one of my the quotes that I use when I'm training all the time, especially particularly when you're starting in a bad position is, you know, you're going to pay for your fuck ups, mm -hmm. but the currency you're paying with is your fucking comfort. Right. So it's the same thing with like, you know, uh, where you're rolling with a partner and whatever and you fuck up and they're going to make you pay for it or you're lifting weight and you haven't done your due diligence to get to that weight. The weight's going to make you pay for it. But you're it's it, you're paying something for something in return, sure. which is, is getting better. You know what I mean? So I, I feel like that's that's one of the. It's just you can replace that iron with whatever it is. You for know, sure. training yeah. partner, whatever. But you need to find that iron. It's funny. I, I've I've been wanting to talk about this for for quite some time because uh, if people uh, people know where the quote comes from, it does come from the Bible. Right. But we are. I don't know. <laughs> I think that was one thing that was like surprising to us. Candace was was just like, "So why did you guys choose a religious uh, religious quote?" Right. Um, and we were like, uh, "Yeah, because it's it's truth. I mean, like it's it's just that one little section. Iron right. sharpens iron. It, right. Like you take. I mean, we're we're a society of taking things like." out of context of others. I mean, like, what does it matter if we're quoting the Bible or quoting Buddha or quoting Upanishads or something like that? It's, it's iron sharpens iron. Right. Simply put. It's a universal truth is what right. I'm saying. Exactly. It is a uni universal food truth. I mean, and, and it doesn't, it shouldn't have a context that like, oh, like we're a religious-based uh, podcast. Wait, if you listen like to the that. podcast, it is not. <laughs> I, I, I was going to say, I dropped my, yeah, you said dick a couple of times. <laughs> my my anti-religious sentiment, I just drop in my headphones and walking out. Like, right. Oh, you Christians. Right. So, I mean, well, and that's the other thing too is I, if it's like we we can go back to using your own filter. You know, you can talk about religion or whatever. You know, you, there are perfect. I mean, you could look at. I mean, atheism, Christianity, fucking Judaism, whatever. They all have their little tidbits of value. You just got to be able to filter through the rest of the well, bullshit. I, you know I, what won't, I, mean? I won't feel complete unless we broach the subject now that you, you've done it. So <laughs> go, so, go for it. So I think, I think Patton Oswald said it best when he said, like, religion, and this is, this is truly the way I feel because it it's, it's one of those moments in your life where, like, if that makes such sense to me on its face value – then it almost has to be true. Like I, I know that I know there's no basis for me to say that. But so anyway, Patton Oswald goes. The reason we have religion today is because years and years and years and years and years and years ago, he goes. A guy would get out of his cave, 
stretch and go, I want rape for breakfast. And he'd go out and just start raping and pillaging. He's like, somebody, he goes, probably like my size? He goes, figured out a way to go, hey, there's a guy in the sky, and he doesn't want you to have rape for breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> he wants you to be good to everybody, and in, the, in exchange, when you die, you can have rape for breakfast every day up there. Right. And it's, it's so true. Like For me, I think people are... like I want to I say people are intrinsically good, but my... I don't. I, I can't honestly say that just because of my profession. Right. All I get to see is the negative side of things. Right. So uh, I don't necessarily believe. In fact, I believe that the majority of people out there, myself among them, are broken in one way or or another. Right. So I think religion was imp- was important back in the day to ensure that somebody with Derek's size. Uh, and and jujitsu skills didn't decide to just take whatever the hell he wanted. It was a, a way of providing people with a moral compass. Right. I think like everything that man creates, it becomes flawed like man right. and is either used to exploit the masses, control the masses, right. much like politics are now. So right. I have zero use for organized religion. Zero. Right. Not that I have a, a moral compass that points true north, because right. I, I definitely I make mistakes. Right. But that being said, I, I I am so anytime I get into a conversation with somebody who's not they don't even have to be uber religious. They could just be religious. And the minute they say, Well, the Bible says, I automatically tap out of the conversation. I'm like, right. Oh, I see what's happening here. We're done. Right. You know, and I want to go take a shower. Right. I <laughs> I have, it's, I, I have to bring up the fact that, like, I think somewhere along the line, somebody, I, I remember somebody saying, like, there's three things in a conversation that a gentleman should not talk about to keep, uh, to keep friendly conversation. Uh, politics, sex, and religion. We've done all three today. <laughs> <laughs> Let's face it. They're the most interesting. Right. Well, there's a reason they say to stop not talking about them, for sure. Um, while, yeah. while we're back on the topic of sex, Annie Thor's daughter, if you're listening to this... <laughs> My number is 603. <laughs> I'm on Facebook. Look me up. Yeah. You know, she was an Elliot at one point, right? She was what? She was an Elliot. Elliot Maine. Oh, really? Yeah, she was training training at a gym out there. Thanks, um, thanks for hooking me up, Derek. Oh, that was before my fucking... I didn't even know who Aaron Thor's daughter was at the time. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I got some good stories out of that. We'll have to do that off air because I'm not about to go there. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, no, she she trained um, with uh, a guy in Elliot named Ivan Rojas, who's a great Olympic uh, weightlifter, uh, weightlifting coach, and a lucky dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. You guys were on religion, and I totally derailed. No, I totally no, derailed. No, 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 I totally it, derailed it, it with okay. my lust. So I mean, like the, it, when you were talking about that stuff and Patton Oswald's uh, quote, it, it kind of struck something in my mind. It was just, it was like, well, well, I mean, we talk about we're talking about how we used to be like complete savages, mm-hmm. and then religion came along. And we were like, hey, maybe you shouldn't do that because, like, look at these look at these rules that says don't do that anymore. Right. right. Um, I mean, like that that kind of like comes back around to like society. It's it, it's like have have. I mean, through the course of like religion and society and what's accepted, what's not accepted, like have we just basically grown into um, the most frustrated race ever? Right. Where it's it's like, oh god, there's all these rules saying I can't do this stuff, and like, and and your profession is, is, as well has kind of like said like, like, oh, you can't get in fistfights anymore because we're gonna take you downtown, right, uh, or, or 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 go somewhere. Um, 
and it, it, it's, it's like, have we become like this? Like, and and we talk about like we've become this frustrated, very very frustrated society to the point where we have to do things like MMA, BJJ, sure, CrossFit, yeah. and tap out. Yeah. Um. So it, it, the whole conversation is like kind of coming full circle in For my sure. head, where where it's it's like we've become so frustrated that we have to find these things that make us like unwind a little bit right, that, even that, for seven minutes that, even for 14 minutes. energy you know? yeah. yeah yeah your killed like J- rogan says his kill juice gets full and he's got to he's got to release it but you're absolutely right i i can't if you act up out there there's there's nothing i can do to put you in check without me getting in trouble because we have rules that says i can no longer put you in check i've given up certain rights to us to a, a sovereign who will come and enact justice on my behalf um, and that's frustrating for, for a lot of people. It's, it's very counterintuitive, too. Like, it, it just feels wrong. It feels like if you're getting up in my grill, I should be able to put you down or at least make the attempt. Two things are going to happen. I'm going to learn something about myself, and you're going to learn something about what you did to cause that. Right. Um, Bill Burr has this great bit where he talks about, he, he's like, women have big mouths because they know it's socially unacceptable to smack them. Right. He he goes. Uh, he, he goes. He goes. Anytime I've ever gotten into a fight with a dude on the way home, I've been driving, clutching my my bloody nose, going, "Eh, maybe I shouldn't have said that shit about Bob's wife." Right. <laughs> and he, you know, and he goes, "But you make you make that adjustment." He goes, "We live in a society where it's very social socially unacceptable now to enact violence on anybody, right. and uh, it, we have all these rules that tell us what we can and cannot do. Um, you're not." Whatever you're in a relationship, whether it's your a relationship with your boss, a relationship uh, with the government, a relationship with your wife, but it's like you're not in that relationship necessarily because you want to be. You're in that relationship because there's some sort of social contract that binds you to it. It's like that's why when people up and quit their job, everybody's like, "Oh my God, he's got like, what are you gonna do for money? What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do?" It's like, no, no, no. You've just been so socially. Uh, formed to think that I am bound by some rule that I have to do this. And if I decide all of a sudden I don't want to do it anymore, why should there ever be some sort of social construct that makes me think I can't do that? And it, like, right. I, I should be able to do... There's Always a lot. okay in the movies. Yeah, right. Not in real life. <laughs> no, no. Everybody's like, dude, you quit your job. Do you have another one to go to? And you're like, oh, I didn't think that fucking far ahead. Right, right. Well, that's kind of like <laughs> same thing with what I was talking about. I was like, <clears throat> I don't... I, I want to get my life to a point where I'm like, fuck that. I don't want to do that. Yeah. And have it be totally okay. You know what I mean? And some people will get there and other people don't. And I don't, I guess that's, that's the struggle I have is like how, what the path to happiness, how is it that some people seem to get there? And then the question always becomes is, well, are they really happy or right. is that just the, the reflection of what I, they, they want me to see? Right. I don't know how people go on fucking vacation. I've worked my entire life and, and my wife makes great money at her company. Great money to the point where I don't have to do my job. She's like, you could be a stay-at-home dad i just know that you don't want me rearing the children that's just a bad thing yeah all all my bullshit downloaded on their blank little hard drives i'm gonna create more broken people right. so they, they she doesn't want that so i work all my friends are like they're taking pictures of their families out on a cruise and stuff like that like we go to a beach house in wells maine for one week out of the year 
all these people going on va- like multiple vacations, and I'm like, how the hell do you do that? Are you in debt up to your eyeballs, right. or are you really doing it? Number one, or is that just a reflect? Like, are you really that happy, happy family, or is that just a reflection of what you're trying to portray on, on Facebook? And secondly, how the hell are you affording that? Because yeah. I should be able to afford that. But I can't. Right. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's it's. <laughs> you sound a little bit like a New Englander right now. Right. right. <laughs> it's just like a New England father. Right. Uh, it's, it's I want to take my kids to Disneyland. I really right. do. But I like I, if we do that, then there's no beach house, uh, and and there's probably no beach house for the next three years because I had to spend ten grand to go take them there. Yeah, I don't really know. I mean, me. I mean, I talk about this with my wife. I talk about it with my dad because I see him every day. You know, like. It's weird. Like, I only know my own experience. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I'm like, I see other people, like the brand new cars. Yeah. The, the, the $300,000 house, the vacation, you know, a couple times a year, you know, the big screen TV, all that stuff. And I'm like, I don't know how those people are able to do that. To sustain You know that. what I mean? But then I look at the other way. It's like, do I really want it? Like, I don't, I don't want things. I want to do things. Probably because they're... Like they're all just like in like well that's it they're they're, fi- tra- they're, they're tra- financing they're tra- their life they're, they're financing on that fu- their entire life they're exactly. on that you, do you guys though. think that's what that is they're not actually at the pinnacle of of wealth and happiness I, I'm sure that there there's some of them are but well I, mean, I think the other thing too is like so say you are financing your life if that's what makes you happy then fucking great you know what I mean like if if you are if if just having those things and doing those things and and you die with a million dollars worth of debt. But you were able to do those things your whole life, then fucking more power to you. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, no, I guess I never thought of it that way. It's, 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 you know, if that's the things that make you happy, you know, I know some people that, you know, the, the iPhone 6 Plus makes them so happy. Makes them so happy. I have it now and I'm like, wow, this is a fucking marvel of technology. And, you know, I get slightly addicted to it because it's that big fucking colorful screen that I'm like, get sucked into. But I'm like, this really isn't making doing my life better. My life, you yeah. know what I mean? But yeah. I know some people that are like, Oh my God! This is what I, you know what I mean. Or like, look at my shiny new truck yep. that doesn't have a scratch on it, and fucking the dog has never been in it, and there's no mud on the floor. Meanwhile, I'm like, my truck's got fucking three hundred thousand miles on it. I just I don't want anything new. I just want what I got to keep working. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? But you know, it's whatever fucking makes you happy. You know that yeah, shit you doesn't do what makes you happy. Right. So if financing your life and fucking dying with a million dollars worth of debt, but you're happy that whole time. That's a good thing. Fucking great, you know? I never thought of it that way. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 me, for me personally, like, it's, it's hard to believe that it would, but like I said, those internet comments, it's hard to believe some people think think the way they do, but they do. And as long, another thing, when we talk about the rules and the social constructs or whatever, is like, I'm, you know, touched upon religion, touched about sexuality, talked about, you know, politics, whatever. My true, honest belief is if you're not hurting anybody else, do whatever the fuck you want. You know what I mean? So if you're not hurting anybody else buying those things and financing those things, go for it. If you want to be super religious or not religious at all and you're not hurting anybody else because of it, go for it. If you're a staunch conservative, super liberal, if you're not imposing those things on anybody else and not hurting anybody, fucking... Go for it. Whatever you need to get yourself through the day at the end of the day and you can look yourself in the mirror and be happy and sleep, put your head on the pillow and go to sleep with a clear mind, 
that's all that fucking really matters. Yeah, you should. You are completely allowed to live your own life. Right. It's when you start projecting it onto other people, that's where there's a problem. Right. Yeah. I mean, and I think that's probably. I mean, it's a. We live in a weird time, as far as it. It feels like a lot of people are giving themselves the leeway to project their ideas on other people. I know I don't know if it's because it's the age of information, social media, whatever, but I mean I mean you look at the the social justice warriors out there, you know what I mean it's like they don't you're and it's weird because like it's a line between you're not allowed to offend anybody, but people are now taking the the liberties to be offended. Mm. You know what I mean? It's like they're looking to be offended to put their point of view on to someone else. You know what I mean? It's a weird it's it, I have no answer. I don't even know how to describe it. It's a weird time we're living in. Yeah, it's it's gotten better too. I mean, like the the we went through a phase of just hard, hard political correctness, right? And then it's 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 softened a little bit. But it, God, stop walking around being offended by everything. We we here's here's one of the biggest things that changed my perspective on everything, and I have to. And, and it's one of those things that even though I know it. I have to constantly remind myself of it because it, for whatever reason, I'll get caught up in, in my own ego and in my own bullshit. Right. But the moment you realize the universe is so big and gives zero fucks about you is the moment you stop thinking that everything here is put on the earth or put here for you. Right. And that 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 taking that being able to take that step back and go, wow! In the grand scheme of things, I am fucking nothing, is liberating because then I don't get caught up in like this the the current of of time, the current of useless energy that gets that gets caught up there. But it takes me it takes me a long time to get into that headspace and realize right. zero fucks. The universe gives zero fucks about you. The cosmos does not care. You are a, a particle of stardust, and that is it. Right. Um, and it's only when I, I'm able to take that step back and get that clair- that moment of clarity in my head that things seem to kind of settle down. Uh, but I always have to remind myself of that. Otherwise, I am caught up in the Facebook drama. I am caught up in the political bullshit. I am caught up in this culture of outrage that makes me sick. It makes me sick that everybody gets an award. It makes me sick that there are no winners and losers anymore. We're all winners. It makes me sick that we're all special. And it's like it's not... The uni- the, if more people just realized the universe does not care about you at all, y- you, I think it would make people a lot more grounded. Right. A lot happier, too. Yeah. I mean, like... It, it takes it, a weight it, off of you. Exactly. I mean, to, 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 like, don't walk around thinking you're so important. Yeah. I mean, it's like you said. If you like, if you were walking around thinking you were the 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 cat's pajamas, I mean the shit, the bees suit, knees, the bees knees, so important. Go outside at night, look up right. <laughs> at the at the <laughs> moon like, and stars, and 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 tell yourself, do I f- still feel big? Do yeah. I still feel super super important? And you look up and you're like, nope. The, the mo- I, every single one of those little dots in the sky is somewhere else. Well, somewhere. You want, you want to talk about this, and it's funny. It's and it, this is something that sticks with me for fucking. It'll stick with me forever. Is um, do you guys know the story of Eddie Aiku? <laughs> so there's this surfing tournament every year in Hawaii 
called the Eddie. And it was I do know that. If you look at like bumper stickers, it says Eddie will go. It's yep. like the, they do this thing. But so Eddie Aiku is this this surfer from Hawaii, like um, real. He was like full fledged Polynesian Hawaiian, real proud Hawaiian. So they <clears throat> they were going to do this. I mean, if you can look it up and watch this thing, that I watch this, this this documentary on Netflix. I think it was a thirty for thirty on ESPN. But it's about how this this Polynesian group. It was like a um like you know like the Polynesian history of society or whatever. They were going to build this traditional Polynesian raft and fucking sail it from Hawaii to fucking Samoa or wherever. So, you know, through the fucking Pacific Ocean and they were going to do it the way their ancestors did it way back in the day. And he was this proud Hawaiian surfer, had won a bunch of surf competitions, local boy, whatever. They get on this boat and the boat starts to sink and he's got a surfboard because he's going to surf in fucking Samoa. So... He gets on this fucking surfboard, and he's like, I'm going to start to paddle. You guys stay here on this fucking sinking raft, and I'm going to paddle to the next civilization and fucking get help and come back. And so he paddles off into the fucking off into the horizon, and no one ever saw him again. No one knows what happened to him or whatever, and that's why it's Eddie would go or Eddie will go, you know what I mean? Because he was the only person to volunteer to go. But in this documentary... They show it's like uh, you know a reenactment or or whatever of him, and it could be CGI, you know, whatever the fuck. But he goes off and he's paddling and paddling, and shows him looking back, and this boat's getting smaller and smaller on the horizon, until finally he can't see the fucking boat anymore. And then it starts to pan out and pan out and pan out and pan out till and how it's, small he till is it's in the, the ocean. fucking earth. But he's this fucking small little dot. In the middle of this fucking Pacific Ocean, you know, and it's one of those things where you like you you like you never really quite grasp how small you are, even compared to the Pacific Ocean. Right? Forget the fucking universe, where right. you're like, man, you are fucking, and that fucking wa- that water fucking swallow you up, fucking Fisher whole, without even fucking thinking about Dude, it. You the, know what I mean? the, the the world is a great place that. Every once in a while, we'll just swallow somebody whole right. and never fucking see him again. Right. And the, like you, you actually alluded or you said it. Um, I on Facebook, I sometimes at night I'll you know good night moon, good night stars, you know. But it's it's amazing. I'll go out and I'll look, and it's like you almost feel capable of reaching up and grabbing one of them, especially when the moon's full. It's like it's it's right fucking there. Like I right. can I can reach that. And then it just dawns on you that it's so fucking far away from my grasp. You know, and it does. It puts everything into perspective. And 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 so many of those stars are literally just photographs of stars because those are burnt out and we're just looking at the after image of them. And it just goes to show that like time and space the way we perceive it we love to put ourselves in the center of it but the the the, the we are just we are eddie right. on on that on that <coughs> paddleboard well and and tiny. it's funny that but the other thing is like it's it's uh it's i mean you can get all you can fucking pontificate and wax on about it but it's <laughs> like but but it's it's almost like um like uh those guys that dare to do it greatly yeah and die in the process live on forever that's how like you uh you know that's the stuff legends are made of is you 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 know how fucking vast and expanse it is 
but you still fucking try to go for it anyway. For sure. You know, I think that's it's funny. Until you should be living life. Right. No matter fucking how big the ocean is, get out there and fucking paddle. For sure. Yeah. Start try, try to tread some water. <laughs> so uh anything else you want to talk about? Anything you want to drop before we fucking leave? No, no. You guys are probably tired of my idi- idiocracy anyway. Um but uh I'm hoping to uh well I'll be at uh Port City today if anybody wants to roll do I'm going to be in Nogi today. Um but I'll roll if if you want to stay in a gi, that's fine. I don't know. That's fine. Um, and then secondly, I'm hoping to do a couple open mics uh, probably in the summertime. I'd love to get some of you guys down there so I can bounce some of my material off of you. I'm always I'm always writing. It's just a matter of what hits the floor and what what sticks. So I'd like to do something at uh, Castaways in the Winter Circle, um, and I'll try to post that on Facebook when when I do it. Yeah, for sure. So, um, I mean, and then obviously this isn't going to be the last time we fucking sit down and have a no. Or, this is this is great conversation. So. I, I I loved it. I, I haven't podcasted since like <laughs> the days that Chris and I were doing it, right. and it was really awesome to sit down with you guys. And I'm, I appreciate you letting me have some airtime. I oh, know. Thanks for coming and thanks for coming on. Come back again. It's for good sure. to meet you. All right. Nice to meet you too. All right. And that's it. Catch Thank you, later. you very much.